Welcome to Otaku Brothers, your friendly neighborhood gaming podcast featuring Rusty, R.E. Lewis 2011, and Ryan. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 13. Welcome to Sports Center. <laughs> You really wrecked that opening. I know. Okay. We can restart. No, we're just going to go okay. with it. You know, we started. I'm not pleasuring a chord twice. So yeah. this is episode 13 of Otaka Brothers. My name is Rusty. And tonight I am joined by... Oh, it's actually not tonight. It is this, It is in the morning. Uh, unlikely that we typically record on a Friday night. We're recording on a Saturday morning. My name is Rusty. I'm joined by my forever co-host and uh, annoyingly interrupting brother-in-law, <laughs> yeah. Ryan. We've botched this opening like... Four times. How are you doing today? I'm good. Yeah, I'm caffeinated and rejuvenated from the week, so I'm ready to talk about things and stuff. Things and stuff we will. And uh, yeah, so a uh, good week for me. I um second week at my new job, which has been going very well. Um, you know, actually during my downtime and even at night, we listened to like some, some records, some vinyl, and uh, I went through a list of the top <coughs> 1,000 movies um, on like topranker.com or something like that. And I've made a list of 100 movies that I want to watch within the next year. Um, I'm calling it the quest for 100. Usually people do that with books over a lifetime, not movies over a year. Yeah, but I, I see, I, I, I like to think that I'm like a little bit different than others, you know, <laughs> like to kind of stand out in the, the crowd of, you know, the majority. So, yeah. uh, but in any case, yeah, so I, I made a list of 100 movies. A lot of them... Not a lot of about ten percent of them are movies that I've seen that I know Lauren has not seen that I actually like really really love. What's an example? John Q with Denzel Washington. Yeah, I never heard of that. Well, it's an outstanding movie. Um, basically, his son um, needs heart surgery, and John Q, um, you know Denzel's character, he basically has this hospital on lockdown until someone can provide him with a heart to perform this surgery. Um, it's it's just a really emotional drama that will literally bring you to tears. Mm-hmm. Um, and Denzel is great in anything, but this is one of his one of my favorite movies of his. Um, but there's also some movies that I've seen parts of, but not all the way through that I really want to watch, like Braveheart, believe it or not, really? Gladiator, um, Last of the Mohicans. Those are movies. The Green Mile, like those are movies that I've Green seen. Mile is oh my gosh. Yeah, there's bits and pieces of it that I've seen, but I haven't seen all the way through, and then. Um, there's movies that I just have not seen that I need to, like Psycho, the 1960 um, Alfred Hitchcock horror movie. That did not age well. Well, I still want to see it for, yeah. you know, just to see it. Um, there's a lot of horror movies on there that I know Lauren isn't going to want to watch, about maybe five to six that I, I definitely want to have on my bucket list of watching. So that those are on the list. And then there's really just like a lot of classic movies from like the 70s and 80s that I'd never seen. Like um, Gone with the Wind. That's not on there. I, it probably should be. Um, I heard that one was a rough one as well. Yeah, but then there's like, um, what am I thinking? Uh, like Taxi Driver, I've never seen. Goodfellas, I've never seen. Taxi Driver was good. Um, uh, what else? Silence of the Lambs is another one that I've seen bits and pieces of, but not mm-hmm. the entire movie. And there's a whole bunch of Blade Runner, Big uh, Big Trouble in Little China. Um, yeah, whole slew of movies. So I'm looking forward to kind of going through the list and um, figuring out some of the, some of my favorites. So nice. I might kind of like periodically touch base about that on the podcast, just because. Um, I think people like movies that listen to this show, and it'd be fun to kind of recommend things that uh, maybe not a whole lot of people haven't seen, or if it's just a classic that you haven't seen, it's worth watching. So, mm-hmm. yeah, so that was kind of the fun thing that I did this week, kind of just um, making a list of fun movies to watch. But uh, we have a fun episode tonight planned. It's something that Ryan and I have wanted to do for a couple weeks now, but um, we were just waiting for the right time. And um, it's a system that uh, I think a lot of people played clearly because it sold um, 
a significantly large number of units, but one that's maybe not talked about as much as it should be, and certainly the library of games, I think, was um, very much unnoticed by most people. There's a lot of hidden gems, if you will, dropping the uh, the lingo that a lot of people don't like to, to bring up these days, but in the gaming community, but hidden gems, there's a lot there. So we're going to do, to do a uh, PSP ret- retrospective this episode, basically talking about brief history of the console itself leading up to its you know official release, um, Maybe if Ryan and I have stories about getting the console at launch, we'll go into that, some of our favorite games, recommendations, all that fun stuff. But as we always do, we kick off the episode with the games that we've been playing recently. So, Ryan, let's get into that. What have you been playing other than Click 'em All this no, week? No, I haven't actually played those games in a couple weeks. Um, yeah, I've actually only been playing one game this week, and it's Xenoblade Chronicles 2. So, uh, I Can think we get like an audience applause that Ryan's playing something that's not like... Click approval. It's like you know, clicky, click approval. clicky. It's, it's, it's this is like this is a significant moment in the Talking Brothers podcast. Well, so. last week we were discussing, and we thought it was going to come out in September. And I was like, this, that cover to the game looks really familiar. And I went to Walmart the next day. I think that because it is still Xenoblade Two, but it has a weird subtitle. I think that might be some kind of like expansion, or maybe like it's one of those Game of the Year editions type things where yeah. it has all the DLC or whatever. But whatever yeah whatever so i got i went to walmart and i got xenoblade chronicles 2 and i've been playing that one it's a lot of fun um it's interesting getting into a jrpg mm-hmm. um so i'm not quite used to that the story's pretty interesting um i'm still getting used to the auto kind of uh combat and then you do like special attacks and heal and all that i've heard this is like kind of plays similarly at least the first one xenoblade chronicles and the wii played kind of similar to an mmo almost like a yeah um kind yeah. of there's like bars at the bottom other bar- bars at the bottom of the screen that kind of like fill up or like meters and stuff like that you spam attacks by using yeah that. okay there yeah. are so okay so it does play pretty similar to an mmo <coughs> then um yeah it's um it's interesting i guess kind of the concept is you're a blade and or you're a driver, and then you get, like, this crystal, and you have a blade that's, like, kind of from the crystal. Okay. And that's kind of your companion, and you go around and try to figure out... I don't know. There, there's a lot of weird stuff. I mean, it's JRPG, so mm-hmm. it's that kind of feel. Um, but it's a lot of fun. I like the grind of it. So yeah. I was running around before this. I actually realized that I didn't level up some of my companions, so I just boosted everyone before this running around killing some rhinos in the wilderness. Nice. So, okay, so kind of take us through. So, first of all, how's the music in the game? Because that's one of my favorite things about JRPG. It's good. Is it good? Yeah. yeah. Um, there is, as far as the audio, or not the audio, the character's voices, mm-hmm. good. But in combat, it's very spammy. Yeah, they have, like, little sayings that I think probably get pretty annoying. Yeah, so I end up, when I'm kind of grinding, turning it down, and then turning up my TV and just watching a movie. Okay. Yeah, because, I mean them spamming like we got this or yeah. we can do this over and over again it's like geez man like, yeah we, calm down you could do this like 40 sayings ago yeah but yeah and the enemies have a lot of health so i mean over the duration of like a two minute fight mm-hmm. they can say a couple sayings yeah repetitively yeah that can get pretty annoying in games um i know like in the tales of vesperia or tales of vesperia and some of the tales of games that happens a lot people just have these like weirdo little sayings and it's just like I, 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 the, the music itself that's playing in the background is enough like to get me going I don't need you guys yeah. like spamming these like little sayings 
Um, okay, so like, what about the the combat system itself, or not the combat system, the the story itself? Is there like a lot of side quests that you can go on, or is it very story driven? Like, there is it- a lot of side quests from what I've seen, or are there are some. I haven't really done any. I'm kind of going through the main story. Oh, you I'm are curious. Okay. Um, so I'm about 13 hours in right now. I'm level 21, mm. and I was looking at the max level because I'm always curious about like how high I can get my characters leveled up. And it said that the main, the last boss was level 70, just as perspective. And oh, level okay. 99 or level 100 is the last level. Okay. You can, like, cap out at. You better believe I'd be capping out at 100. And I'm yeah. Sure too. Yeah. Yeah, so I will. Um, so relative to the final boss, I have 50 levels to go until I'm on par with him. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if I'm gauging the story correctly, but that's kind of how I'm gauging where I'm in the story. Okay. Now, how's the world itself? I mean, is it is it pretty wide it's, open? It's massive. So... Basically, the world is a giant lake or a giant ocean, um, and there's like a world tree, and used to be kind of an Elysium or like heaven, mm-hmm. and everyone got booted, and um, so now you have to live on the back of titans. Okay, cool, because so, that's how the first game was set up. You were listening, like, it, it took a while, and spoilers for people that haven't played Xenoblade Chronicles, but um, it took, and I, I haven't played it either, so I've already spoiled it for myself, but... Basically, I don't know the, the logistics of the story or how things work out, but you're on like a, I think they called it like a Bionis and a Sionis or something like that. They're basically giant turtles. Mm-hmm. And like halfway through the game, you find out that you're actually on like these giant titans. Yeah, so um, these are different shapes. It's not just turtles. Okay. Um, but yeah, there's, I went like on a giraffe one. Nice. Um, I'm on like this fish looking thing now. Any manatees making a presence? I haven't seen any yet, but I think there's like seven or so okay. Titans. So the environments are different. Um, the first one was kind of just like a grasslands field. Mm-hmm. Um, this one's kind of like cavey almost. Okay. Um, so yeah, it, the plot or the actual environments themselves are massive. Nice. So um, both wh- in height and in scale, as far as like running across fields. Okay. So now with Xenoblade Chronicles X, which was between Chronicles and two, was on the Wii U. I think there were mechs. So do you use mechs to traverse the world, or are you just walking everywhere? You're just walking everywhere. There's okay. no mechs. Is there fast travel? Yes, there okay. is. Cool. Which is great. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm because like that's it, essential. Yeah. So especially in such a large world, mm-hmm. um, and then also going between Titans, it's you're not hopping on an airship every time. Yeah. It's flying. It's hey, let's just teleport over. Okay. Um, I guess last question. So as far as inventory, armor, weapons, and stuff like that, do you get those at shops? So they drop from weapon or enemies. You like- can buy um, things at shops. I haven't yet, just because I've been grinding. Okay. You get cores and you can put them on your characters, or like you can get armors and things. It's not a visual change in your character, <sighs> which I th- thought would be kind of a complaint of mine. I don't really mind. Doesn't okay. Um, it's you still have you can change your blades and things like whether you have that sword depending on like the your backup character, your blade itself, I guess. Plus, if I recall, like, isn't the camera perspective a little bit further out from the character? So it's, it wouldn't be that noticeable anyways, even if they were changing the robes and whatever. Yeah, you can zoom in to, I guess, kind of like a battlefront kind of distance, mm-hmm. or you can zoom out further to see your two companions and their blades. Okay. Um, I kind of do zoomed out a bit, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, it, it doesn't really make a difference whether you put the armor on. Um, or that it's not changing your physical appearance. Okay. Um, so you can increase like health and damage and stuff like that. Um, 
So, yeah, the inventory, I don't really find a problem. It's I think JRPGs have a more complex kind of um, character setup. Yeah, there's a lot more nuances there than just the weapons mm-hmm. that you're using. So, yeah, um, cool. No, I, I'm sure we'll be checking in every couple of weeks to figure out how far you've progressed. I mean, I'm pretty sure those games take anywhere from like 60 to 120 hours, depending on your play style. So, yeah. Um, cool. Yeah. Um, what about you? So I played a whole slew of things in the past week. Um, really got into like the Uncharted mood. So I was playing, or I played through the in the entire the entirety of Uncharted: The Lost Legacy on PS4. So this game came out I think late last year. Subsequent to Uncharted 4, as far as the timeline, I was trying to find where this takes place. I think it takes place after four. That makes the most sense based on the events that happen in the game. Um, but basically, you're playing as not Nathan Drake. Um, but you're playing as Nadine and Chloe. So Nadine was one of the kind of antagonists in Uncharted 4, and Chloe was one of the somewhat protagonist-antagonists in Uncharted 2. Um, Love interest. Exactly. So you specifically play as Chloe, um, and then Nadine's kind of like your partner throughout the story. And um, gosh, I'm, I love the Uncharted games. I don't want to go too in too depth, much depth into the story itself, um, but it plays just like Uncharted 4, I would say. You know, you're, you know climbing, scaling mountains and stuff like that. You're using your little um, hook rope thing to, you know, reach other gaps and stuff like that. There's a lot of puzzle solving involved. You're collecting treasures. You're in some grand epic adventure, of course. There's a a main guy that you're trying to beat to a treasure, so to speak. Um, And essentially, um, the game's kind of set in India, I believe. And basically, this man is going to, um, or he has plans to, get this giant rail train to kind of ride through the city and essentially just explode and kill millions of innocent people. Um, oh, wow. And so you're trying to prevent that from happening. Um, and there's all kinds of like little mini side stories and stuff like that interwoven without the story. And it's, it's fantastic. I love it. I wouldn't say it's in any way comes close to beating Uncharted 4. It's much shorter. I think I beat this game in like maybe seven to eight hours, um, but it's $30 now. I think it's well worth the asking price. Um, I think you can actually play the Uncharted 4 multiplayer with this disc. So if you, for whatever reason, got rid of Uncharted 4 back in the day and wanted to play on um, the multiplayer, you can still do that. Um, but yeah, you know, music's great, the story's, you know, fun, characters are very likable. Um, How long were the original Uncharted? Because it's been a while, and I never really timed myself playing those games. I would say anywhere from like 10 to 15 hours, depending on, like, for me, I'm someone who very much looks around the entirety of the map, looking for all the different hidden treasures. I never found all of them in any of the levels, but... Um, I typically found about 60 to 70% of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're going straight through, not going off the beaten path, looking for treasures, I don't know, 8 to eight to 12. Okay. Um, yeah, because I go, I'm just curious about the main story. Yeah. I don't really find the treasures, so. Yeah, and that's that comes into my, like, 3D collect-a-thon, you know, mm-hmm. mindset of, like, always well, wanting to collect. As far as, like, a single-player story that's set up as, like, an adventure running, like, a movie. Mm -hmm. Running around takes me out of that movie feel. Yeah, 100%. No, and everyone plays games differently. I think playing through this, though, and I actually... (laughs) I played two other Uncharted games this week, too. I got about halfway through Uncharted 4 again uh, as my second playthrough. Is it good as the second playthrough? Oh, it's just as good. Just as good. But what I'm noticing more, you know, you're talking about taking you out of that movie feel, I'm really not a fan of the puzzle solving in those games. Really? I'm not. I mean... How they're set up is very unique, and it's always very interesting and um, relatively accessible. But, you know, when we're in these giant shootouts or scaling mountains, I love that part or aspect of the game. But when I get into these puzzle solving where I'm, like, turning all these different cranes, trying to get things to match up, all these, like, ancient artifacts are just, like, trying to, you know, solve this elaborate puzzle. 
it really takes me out of the experience. And oftentimes, especially with Uncharted 4, having already beaten it, I look up the YouTube video and I figure out how to beat it in like 30 seconds and just move on. Yeah. Well, I mean, conceptually, the first time it makes sense if these traps or these puzzles are keeping you from mm-hmm. getting whoever's treasure. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense, but the, I could see how the second time would be tedious. Yeah, it's like I've already played this. I don't need to have the satisfaction of solving it on my own. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've kind of just been kind of going through it quickly um, in that regard. But the other Uncharted game that I played that I actually didn't play much of when I first got it, got it was Uncharted Golden Abyss on the PlayStation Vita, which actually I don't think it got... Well, first of all, the Vita itself hasn't gotten the attention it's deserved. But this game specifically is actually a very... Um, competent Uncharted game. Really? It really is. I I think it takes place after the events of Uncharted 3, um, but uh, it controls relatively well in the Vita, surprisingly. It looks beautiful on the system itself, and it makes excellent use of the back screen functionality, touchscreen, and the front screen. Yeah. Um, And so, yeah, I mean, it it plays just as well as um, some of the console Uncharted games. I would say it probably looks most... um, comparable to uncharted 2 and 3 certainly not 4 because mm-hmm. the playstation 4 is just ridiculous um, in terms of graphical um capability. yeah capabilities uh, but yeah it plays really well and it's surprisingly long this game takes about 15 to 20 hours to beat oh wow i'm about halfway through so typically the uncharted games have anywhere from like 15 to 20 chapters you know when you read yeah. a new chapter it kind of starts scribbling on the top of the screen you're reaching the next chapter well it does in this game as well but there's like 35 <laughs> to 40 chapters in this game or something like oh. that it's pretty consider it's it's long um, so, you know, I'm halfway through now. I hope it's not going to overstay its welcome. I'm enjoying playing through the story right now. Um, you know, none of the, you know, normal cast of characters, you're not going to see Elena, Nadine, Chloe, or, or Soli. At least I haven't yet. Uh, right now it's just Nathan kind of going, um, on this hunt for treasure with some other kind of yeah. random characters. Uh, but no, it's fun. I'll probably check in next week when I finish it, but, uh, been really enjoying it again, just going off the beaten path, looking for treasures. And again, the touchscreen functionality is actually... It, it doesn't take you out of the, you know, the moment. I think it's it makes sense. It's not gimmicky mm-hmm. um, or brings down the experience. Or do it just to do it. And yeah, okay. exactly. It doesn't bring down the... I mean, of course, when... I mean, it was, I think it was a launch game for the Vita, so it was trying to showcase the power of the system and what it could do, making use of all the the touch functionality. But but yeah, it doesn't take you out of the experience at all. I don't That's think. good. So. so speaking of puzzles and stuff, I tried to watch National Treasure again, just as like a background okay, thing yeah. on Netflix. I could not get through it. Really? In Why? like the first 20 minutes. So the main guy, Nathan Cage or whatever. Nick Cage. Nick Cage. Um, trying to combine yeah. Nathan, yeah, Nathan Drake. Drake. And, um, so he is a complete jerk to the uh, that main girl character. Oh, is like, he really? To the extent that it's like, this is a very abusive relationship. Like I couldn't sit through it. Really? Like a third time watching Because see... The the National Treasure, I know people at rides Nick Cage like he's just like the worst actor ever. I mean, I enjoyed the first National Treasure specifically in like Con Air, like two of my favorite Nick Cage movies. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, go back and I mean, he's just consistently telling her to shut up for like the first interactions. Like, hmm. oh my gosh, I, I was sitting there, I'm like, wow, did I not see this as a kid? Like, I mean, I think this is how relationships should be. Yeah, that's not that's not okay. I think that's part of like the the development of those characters though, because it, eventually no, they get it, married it or whatever, but, but it was jarring just to sit there. I'm like, I just want something calm and relaxed. I didn't want yeah. like domestic abuse. Yeah. Domestic like, abuse over the Like, yeah. Wow. Yeah. I'll have to go back in. Cause I mean, I think they might be on Netflix. It wasn't on Netflix. It was on Netflix. Okay. I'll have to check it out then. Um, but so, yeah, so I played a couple other games this week. Um, 
I'll talk about this one first and then get into the two 3D or platformers that I played. So okay. I got the Sega Genesis Classics Collection. So this has like 50 um, Sega Genesis games on one disc for the PlayStation 4. It might be on Xbox One. I don't really know. Um, 30 bucks, you get 50 games. The setup is so awesome. So you're basically set up in like this almost apartment looking room. You have a old school CRT TV in the middle of the room, like old school, you know, Streets of Rage, Sonic the Hedgehog posters, you know, strapped all over the, the, the walls, which is really neat. And then as you pan to the right, you have this like little shelving unit that has like 50 of the Sega Genesis games in their, what it appears to be the original kind of black spine cases. Mm-hmm. And you kind of sift through each of the games to figure out what you want to play. They're all in like alphabetized. And um, once you click, like I want to play Sonic the Hedgehog, it takes the, the cartridge out and it shows you the animation of like putting it into the Sega Genesis console. And it actually makes like the little click noise as it goes in. That's cool. And then you play it on like this little CRT TV. So I've had a lot of fun. I've been playing through Streets of Rage 1, Sonic the Hedgehog 1. Um, What's Streets of Rage? Streets of Rage is basically a 2D side-scrolling beat-em-up. Ah. Um, so like the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Simpsons mm-hmm. game, and you're just like these you know, these karate-looking guys or gals just walking through the streets just beating up people. Um, and you go through like a, a number of stages, and music's really good. It's just a classic beat-em-up. Nice. Um, there were three of them on the Genesis, and all three of them are on this like little collection. So that's been fun. Um, Sonic the Hedgehog one, I suck at Sonic. Yeah, they are so difficult. I mean, I, these I are two D Sonic. Yeah, right? I mean, I don't know if I'm doing something wrong, but I just feel like it is so incredibly frustrating when, you know, your Sonic is known for his speed. He's like this little speedy hedgehog. Yeah, but you're so constantly abruptly halted from some little fish that jumps up or some like little enemy that stops you. You run into like needles. You lose all your freaking rings. And your rings are essentially your health bar. Yeah. Once you lose your rings, if you get hit with zero rings, you're done. You die. You go back to the start of the, or the next checkpoint, wherever you, you know, whatever. I, please, someone help me. Write me to Twitter, Lose 2011 or write into the show. What am I doing wrong? Because I want to enjoy these games because... Probably the core concept. Yeah. They're such iconic 2D platformers, of course. They're brilliantly designed. The music is phenomenal, but I just, I can't enjoy it because I'm so constantly dying have you watched the 3D Sonic? Like, I've, I've watched gameplay of the 3D Sonics. Well, it really depends. I mean, some of them are just absolute garbage. They, oh, it's brutal. Yeah. Like, if watching frame by frames of, like, them teleporting different places. Plus, and, like, the animation. Is, the one, like, like, Sonic 2006 is the one that's most notoriously, like, just broken. And just, like, you know, people hate on it. Um, he, he had, like, a voice. And he started, like, talking in these games. Mm-hmm. And it was just, like, I think ear-wrenching. Just, like... Why, why is Sonic talking, you know? Yeah. Um, if he's going to talk, be like Mario, where it's just like, wahoo, you know, like, wahoo, you know, just make yeah. those, like, weirdo, like, little noises or whatever while he's jumping around. Um, hey, guys, let's go to McDonald's. Yeah, like, <laughs> and that's how it's honestly what Sonic sounds like. He has yeah. like, this, like, gruff, like, weird voice. It's like, what? Um, Did you go to Hop Topic? Oh! <laughs> yeah, I don't know if that was ever captured on audio, but... Yeah, it was deleted scenes. Um, I don't know. I, I want to enjoy the Sonic games. I'm definitely going to go through and play Sonic 2 eventually. Um, I want to be able to complete Sonic 1, but I always get to like the third act of Green Hill Zone. And it's weird because like you have continues. Like, you know, in like an arcade game, you put quarters in, you continue and you uh-huh. keep playing. But in this game, um, that's like not the case. Like, you can continue once and then after you lose all your lives again, you just like have to restart the game from scratch. Oh, wow. And you go back to the first level. That's brutal. Which like I don't care about my like high score. Like I just want to play through the game. So if I die and have to continue, that I, doesn't matter to me. I don't care. Um, but like if I can't even do that, then it's just like, well, heck, I, just, it, I struggled enough getting to the third act of Green Hill Zone. I don't have to go back to act one. Yeah. Um, whatever. I, I'll get through it eventually. 
Sonic 3D Blast was actually probably, I probably enjoyed more than Sonic 1 because it's like a, as the name would imply, you're like on a 3D grid almost. Mm-hmm. Did you ever play Super Monkey Ball? Yeah. So it's, it's kind of set up like that, except it's more like a bird's eye view or isometric view as opposed to like you're right behind the character running around this little ball. Yeah. Um, and you, you, same concept as an, like a 2D Sonic. You're basically just going around collecting rings and releasing and saving like these little like bird things. And after from you, top down? Yeah, after you save so many of them that you kind of teleport to the next level or whatever. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's it's... I think my biggest complaint was I feel like I'm on ice as opposed to like a grid because he's so slippery when he's moving around. Mm-hmm. But I honestly had more fun playing that than Sonic 1 because I felt like I was actually able to complete the levels. Complete things, yeah. Um, so yeah, I just played a bunch of Sonic games. I popped in Streets of Rage, Space Harrier 2, which is kind of a really weird like Star Fox looking like um, shooter. Uh-huh. But instead of like being in a ship, you're just a person like floating shooting ships and stuff. It's really weird. You just have to what? look it up. Um, Space Harrier. Yeah, it's a really wacky looking game, but it was it was fun. It takes like an hour to beat, so it was a fun just pop in and play type of game. So I had fun with the Sega Genesis collection. I'm really glad that I picked it up, especially for, for $30. It has a m- multiplayer um, capability too, so you and I could play like online if we wanted to, or if you're over here, we can just play couch co-op. Yeah. Um, so we'll have to do that. Space but Space Harrier. Wow. These are really retro looking. Yeah, it has... Um, what is that name? Like the original Star Fox. Whoa, the graphical style is. Um, oh, it'll come to me. I can't recall what that's called. Um, no, you know what? I'm gonna look this up live on the show. Um, wow, there's just pictures of this dude's butt. Star Fox um, graphic style. Let's check this out. Wait, so what is this console on? Sorry, I think you might have said this, but you were playing this emulator um, on one. Oh, it's it's the the Sega Genesis Classics Collection on the PS4. Oh, okay. Yeah, I might have to get that then. Um, That'd be a lot of fun. And I can right. struggle at Sonic as well. Star Fox. All right. I miss those giant, like, old... Super FX um, chip. You know, no, like there's nothing the, I'm looking for. Ah, like whatever. Magic Mountain or, like, um, Chuck E. Cheese things where you sit down in like a seat and you're going through like those driver games Mm -hmm. and like those kind of like hydro hydro thunder yeah cruising or like the um the jurassic park one oh that was amazing the shooter i miss those kind of because you're basically in like a photo booth yeah and you're like shooting stuff or chair like it puts you in the action Mm -hmm. yeah um there's a space harrier one of those that i'm seeing on google images super effects i don't feel like that's the name i feel like it's a different name for the graphical style but whatever anyone that's watching definitely knows what i'm talking about like the old school like all these like weirdo polygons around on star Star fox super nintendo whatever the graphic style is you know what i'm talking about i digress so i played two other games this week that i beat because they were so uh short one of them being bubsy the woolies strike back so Bubsy what? is a character that is notoriously hated by critics and the public alike. All of his games have been very poorly received, and the developers knew that when they were making Bubsy the Woolly Strike Back <laughs> uh, for the PS4. And so this is a series of games that has not been um, revived. This is like 21 years later. I think there were th- like four games between 93 and 96. You basically play as this little orange cat guy What's that it? has exclamation point on it. a great little sense of humor he's super animated and just hilarious his dialogue is um very well written very clever a lot of nods to like old school movies music and just pop culture type stuff 
Um, and so basically, this is just a 2D side-scrolling platformer where this character, Bubsy, collects all these like little mini balls of yarn. So, um, you know, in, in Mario, you collect coins. In this game, you collect little bars of yarn appropriately because he's a cat. And so he's constantly, as he's like, you know, scaling walls, gliding, and, you know, platforming over certain segments, you know, killing enemies, whatever he is doing, um, just kind of throwing out all these like little clever one-liners that are just honestly pretty laugh-out-loud funny because they're just really? so bizarre and weird. Um, but you can beat the game, I think, in about two hours. Each of the levels are very cleverly named. Um, and so I pulled actually all the level names up because they're just so funny and unique. So they're basically um, popular movies <laughs> with like twisted to like for cats. So essentially Reservoir Cats instead of Reservoir Dogs, <laughs> Cabin in the Wools, um what's some other one no country for old cats <laughs> um really good. back to the furcher um clomageddon and then this is one of probably one of my favorites um star claws the fur awakens just like really <laughs> stupid stuff and also so just doing this as like a satire pretty like much not taking it seriously oh not at all because even in the game in certain gameplay segments like the developers like and it's hard to describe but they basically make sense of the fact that like we understand that everyone hates our games we don't even care. We're making this because we love the character and however this game's received is no, no matter. We just, you know, we wanted to do this. Yeah. Um, so I had a, I had a blast playing it. I, I didn't even know about it until like Pete actually was speed running the game. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's an actually good game. It's, it's like, I mean, better than whatever it's hated. Yeah. It's a competent 2d platform. I mean, it has like a 49 on rot or not rotten tomatoes, but on um, Metacritic right now. Um, why just I mean, to hate on it to hate on it I think so I mean I think people were just like why did you revive this character he, all of his previous games were garbage like why, you didn't need to do this mm-hmm. um, but it looks nice I mean graphically it yeah. looks nice you it know, doesn't look half bad the, the music is fine um, it's just a fun little 2D platformer if you it, I got it for 7 bucks you know if you can get it for cheap less than 10 bucks it's a fun you know sit down for a night and play and a couple laughs so um, yeah I'd recommend people to buy it it's, it's cheap it's fun um, the other game that I played was one that completely took me by surprise. There was a PSN sale a couple weeks ago, and that's when I got Bubsy and this game here called Skylar and Plux, The Adventures on Clover Island. And so this is a 3D platformer that has a striking resemblance, and they, the developers has even said that their main influences were both Jack and Daxter and Ratchet and Clank, very popular 3D platformers in the PS2 era. And so this game, basically, you know, the basic premise is this artificial intelligence called CRT creates this cat named Skylar as kind of this, um, people are texting me. I'm sorry for the interruptions, folks. Um, creates this, like this little cat with kind of these mechanical upgrades with the, the, the hope of like kind of taking over the world. Well, she, <laughs> um, basically escapes on this little ship. She crashed, crashes on this Island called Clover Island where she meets this little owl named Plux. And so they become friends and you're set off on this venture. You find like this essentially, um, community of, creatures that look like jelly beans i don't really know how else to describe them that's interesting and basically these three fuse cores that basically um help power this main machine for the entire uh, island um these three fuse cores are taken or they're missing so you basically go off on these three to four different areas trying to find and collect these three fuse cores there's your phone um so you basically go out on this quest to kind of collect these three fuse cores. So you visit like a tropical island, like a volcano area, a snowy mountain, a desert. You know, the classic 3D platformer tropes. Yeah, it looks pretty nice. But it, it actually is a very beautiful game. I think graphically it looks more like a, like a Jack and Daxter Precursor Legacy, but I think it plays probably more similarly to 
um, like a Ratchet and Clank. I mean, you have a spin attack, so it's, I guess, kind of like Jack and Daxter. But um, similar to Bubsy, I feel like there's a lot of, like, really clever, um, like, audio-type stuff in here. So, like, one example is um, there was one area where you had to use, like, this magnetic um, power to kind of collect these giant spheres to kind of unlock doors. You basically collect the sphere and put it on this, like, little switch that mm-hmm. unlocked the door. Well, one of the times you had to drop the the ball down this giant chute, and once you did it, the little owl was like, "We came in like a wrecking ball." He's <laughs> like singing the song, and it was, I, don't, I laughed. It's a modern out. reference, yeah, modern like just funny references. So it's just really clever dialogue between the characters, and just um, yeah, I had a lot of fun. And I guess the other nod to a um, one of the old school, not old school, but three D platformers from the PS two era. The storytelling actually plays out like Sly Cooper. Mm. So in Sly Cooper, you, you're like almost in these like comic book like uh, it's like this, almost like this comic book aesthetic where um, it's just kind of like a paint out picture telling the story, yeah. and it's like just different slides. And it if you played Sly Cooper, you know what that is. And it, the storytelling in this game is very like that. So That's there's an interesting. interesting little twist at the end of the story that you don't see coming. You probably do see coming, but. Um, but yeah, the end. I, I might have gotten this actually during the sale because I just end up going on the sales and downloading everything. Or was this not one of the free ones? This is not the free one. So this oh, wasn't okay. a PSN sale. This was like, or this wasn't a PSN Plus specific sale where you get free games. Uh, this is one where they just slashed prices on certain games. Oh, okay. Then and I, I saw this for like $3.50. And I was like, 3D platformer, looks like Ratchet and Clank and Jack and Daxter. Of course, I'm going to buy this. It took me about three to four hours to beat um, because I got all the trophies. I tried to collect everything, which didn't take much effort yeah um but yeah it's it's a really fun 3d platformer it's on um pc ps4 xbox one unfortunately not on switch yet sorry travis um but yeah if, if you're into 3d platformers definitely check it out a lot of fun but yeah those are all the games that we played this week more from xenoblade and uh, uncharted golden abyss next week but let's get into some questions so we didn't really get a lot of questions from the email again you can write into the show at otaku brothers podcast at gmail you know at gmail.com what I'm going to do right now, since we're like in the middle of the episode, I don't think once like we people figure out, okay, they're talking about like plug-in stuff when there's like 10 minutes left in the episode, people will like basically turn it off is my assumption um, based on the stats that I've seen. That's why I turn things off. Yeah. So I'm going to plug the review stuff right now because I think it helps get the show more people watching and more people listening, which means more feedback, more people writing to the show, which is what... See, this is when I would turn it off. It's most important to me. Yeah, people are fast-forwarding <laughs> five minutes right now already. Yeah. Uh, but no, so I would encourage everyone listening to the show right now to go over to iTunes and give us a review anywhere from one to five stars. If you're feeling super ambitious, write us a quick note about what you enjoy about the podcast. I'd very much appreciate it. Ryan and I both would because reviews help people, um, help more people get an idea of what the show is about and whether or not they want to listen. So um, yeah, please. Our ramblings. Please do that. Uh, but yeah, so we got some questions. So Dean Cowley, my buddy, uh, fellow Pittsburgh Steelers fan, wrote into the show um, basically asking, not knowing what our episode 12 was going to be about. So he said, hey guys, love what you both are doing with the podcast. I've shared it to a couple of Facebook gaming groups to introduce more people to the show and hope your community keeps growing. This is where it's all about. Thank you. Thank you so much, Dean. Really appreciate um, you supporting the show and, and sharing it with people. He says, anyway, my question is, as we approach the busy time of the year for gaming, is there any upcoming games that you are looking forward to playing? What game is it, and what are um, your ex- expectations for it? Also, what games have come out this year that you both enjoyed playing either alone or together? Keep up the awesome work. Go Steelers. Yes, sir. Hopefully Big Ben is all right with his little concussion ordeal, and AB gets back on the field soon. So we kind of talked about this last episode. 
quick recap. I think game I've most enjoyed this year, um, Ukulele, Dishonored, um, Wolfenstein 1 and 2, whole bunch of stuff. Ryan, you're enjoying God of War. Yeah, God of War, Monster Hunter, um, Celeste, Dark Souls, and uh, Dragon Ball Fighter. Yeah, and I think as far as what we're most anticipating for me, uh, just a few short weeks away, Dragon Quest Eleven, Spyro, uh, more recent gaming news, Spyro HD, the Reignited Trilogy, got um, delayed until November. Honestly, if that helps polish from the game, that's that's fine by me. I was looking really looking forward to playing that, you know, between my Dragon Quest Eleven um, binges, but that's okay. Dragon Quest Eleven will take uh, priority in September, and then uh, I don't really know about the rest of the year, but Dragon Quest Eleven is my most anticipated. Yeah, I have zero expectations for Dragon Quest Eleven because I haven't played one before. Which is probably good. You know, you yeah. go in and you're Set the away. bar low and it will exceed those expectations. Exactly. Um, and then Spider-Man, yep. I'm, I want to play that one. Um, it looks really good and coming off of Spider-Man 2 way back in the day, I think it'll be a bit of nostalgia. Yeah, kind exactly. Of the update. Um, I do want to play the Spyro games when they eventually come out. And then... Uh, Red Dead Redemption came out with a gameplay trailer mm-hmm. recently. Yep. It's like eight minutes long, and it looked amazing. Yeah, I'm probably not going to watch it because... You should watch it. No, no, no. So here's my, my rationale for that, because Red Dead Redemption 1, fantastic. I loved it. But um, again, I'm not a very big Western setting type person. Like, I'd much prefer playing like a Grand Theft Auto See, Vice City I'm type game. Yeah, but my point being here is that like... One, like, didn't blow me away. It wasn't, like, my favorite game of that generation. So I kind of want to go in, similar to you with Dragon Quest Eleven, with just, like, zero expectations, not having seen gameplay. I have a very rough idea of the story. John Marston is, you know, basically a prequel to the events of Redemption. So I'd rather go in kind of blind, so to speak, and then, like you with Dragon Quest Eleven, being wowed okay. when I play it. So um, that's kind of my reasoning to kind of stay away. And same thing with Kingdom Hearts 3. Like, I've been trying my best to kind of stay away from all of the media surrounding that game so that when I go into it, I start crying, you know, when I start up the game and it's just like... <laughs> it just pops up the title Lauren's screen. rushing to Walmart to get me more tissues. It's just a freaking mess. Yeah. So No, I mean, I I never played the first Red Dead Redemption, um, but watching the trailers for me is more of a reason or having them convince me why I should play it mm-hmm. or why I should care about this game. Um, I heard great things about the first one, but ultimately... I think it changed my mind seeing the actual gameplay, mm-hmm. um, and just it looks beautiful. Yeah, so. no, I think it, it'll be great for sure. It'll I mean it'll be really interesting to see how publications like Game Informer, Gamespot, Giant Bomb, IGN, how they rank their game of the year between God of War and Red Dead. I think those are really going to be yeah, butting heads, that's and, what I'm thinking. and maybe even Spider Man. I mean, I think people have lofty expectations for that game, rightfully so. But it'll be interesting to see where Spider Man is, you know, with with God of War and Red Dead. Yeah, I mean, I think. As far as the war between those three, God of War, yeah, four is probably going to take it. No, and I probably think Red Dead, and then maybe Spider Man, depending on how that plays. Yeah, I think you're probably right. Um, I'd be very surprised if God of War fell behind either Red Dead or Spider Man. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, time will tell. We'll see. Um, so we got some. Well, thank you, Dean, again for running in. I really appreciate yeah, it, man. Thanks. Um, we got some other questions I posted on Instagram. Um, you know, you can do that weirdo thing where you on your Insta story basically ask me a question i've seen that that's a thing i have no idea how it works it's kind of fun you know depending on how you ask the question or you can you can kind of set up to basically just say like ask me anything or Mm -hmm. you can specifically say like 
like I did, um, like last week, and I said, ask questions for episode 13 of the podcast. So we got a people that wrote in, and we're going to kind of just like um, rapid fire these kinds of questions here. Because okay. they're not like in-depth questions. They're mm-hmm. kind of just like yes and no. We'll, we'll see here. So Dean, I'll make, I guess I'll start with him. He says, what game have you put the most um, hours into, and how many hours was that? <laughs> so Ryan, why don't you uh, divulge the secrets? Yeah, so it's RuneScape, and it's about... 35 to 4,000 hours. Um, Wait, okay, 35 to 4,000? 3,500 okay. to about 4,000. I would say 35 hours to 4,000? Yeah, it's a big range. That's kind of a range there, bro. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's my biggest one. Um, and then it's probably Pokemon Ruby version after that with about 700 hours. Mm-hmm. And then it's probably... Um, probably Oblivion or Skyrim. Yeah. I think probably Oblivion. Yep. With probably 300, 350. Yeah. So it's tough for me because the games that I think I've spent the most time playing um, are not games that had time counters on them, like especially the N64 era, like Perfect Dark and GoldenEye combined. I I would say probably three to 500 hours, honestly, mm-hmm. uh, for the amount of like multiplayer sessions I had with friends. Um, same with, same thing with Hot Shots Golf Open T on the PSP. My dad and I played that game to death. Um, yeah, I was seeing that on like the top games of the PSP. Yeah, we'll get into that. We'll get into that. Um, but the game that I probably spent the most time with, apart from Oblivion and Skyrim across multiple characters, is Pokemon Platinum on the Nintendo DS. Really? Um, that was a time in my life where issues were going on. I won't go into details, yeah. but like... Um, there was times where like I was just in solitary confinement essentially yeah. and I only had like my DS. So, um, I, okay. So I should preface this by saying I wasn't like in jail or imprisoned or anything. Yeah. I just was after he murdered that guy. Yeah, no, I was just sick. They gave him a DS. I was just sick. I'll just, I had health issues. So we're, I'm not going to go into details, but, um, I put like 150 to 200 hours into Pokemon platinum. Nice. I think I ended up getting like maybe four to 500 Pokemon. Wow. So I got, I really near like, I mean, I, that's the furthest I've ever gotten. Yeah. You know, I, I usually don't do that. So that was a big deal for me. Um, that's impressive because the list wasn't, they didn't have the future de- generation. Yes. Yeah, so there was like, there wasn't 700 odd Pokemon. Yeah. So I got, I got really close and I, I still have my copy, which is really kind of special to me to still have that because I got through a lot of stuff playing that game. So, um, we should help you max that out. Yeah. I should definitely do Cause that. you're really close. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think that's probably the, other, the only like, games that i can think of I, I was thinking about that when i was saying like 700 hours i'm like please like just conceptually i can't even comprehend 700 hours yeah it, usually it's like 700 minutes or whatever which is hours but like 700 hours that's days yeah and then like you can measure four thousand in years like a half a year also like that point point one percent of your life almost <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. one and a half percent um, yeah. that's kind of funny, but I mean, it's, again, it goes back to, this is a medium that we both very much enjoy and it's very special to us. And if you have a lot of fun doing that, I don't really think there's much shame in it until like the name otaku implies for its actual meaning. If it really impairs your social ability to interact with real people, you know, if it keeps you from going out into the world and living your life or heaven forbid, lose your job. <laughs> We're like plugging a helpline. <laughs> yeah, essentially. <laughs> Eight six seven five three zero nine. Call Jenny. You know she yeah. she'll help you out. Okay, yeah. she she's very well um, versed in the you know helping people 
beat a video game addiction. So, <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. So Dean, good question. Benny, my man, um, fellow Kingdom Hearts fan, he says pop <laughs> figures. You know, like the little vinyl pop figures that we collect. Yeah. He says yay or nay. Well, I have essentially a problem collecting these, Benny. So yes, probably. I very much so collect these guys. Um, yeah. So for me, uh, my first, I never really got into them until. I moved into my apartment, and my gift from Rusty was a pop figure of Deadpool. Mm -hmm. So after that, I put him on my fireplace mantle, and I have a few more. So I got Hermione, and then I got one recently. It was a Star Wars character. Oh, yeah, Snoke. Snoke, yeah. Yeah. So I have three currently. yeah, they're sitting on my mantle of my fireplace, and then in the middle of that mantle is like a rainbow cow picture that I bought at Walmart. I think so it's that's pretty sweet. awesome. Yeah, that's no, pretty um, rad. So, yeah, I'm slowly filling it up. So. Yeah, so yeah. I think my first one was Kylo, and then after that, it was just a rabbit hole of purchases. I got Gandalf, I got Aragorn, um, I got Hermione, Snape, um, Sirius, Black. I got a whole bunch over there. They're just, yeah. they're just chilling. Um, Boo. Bunch of... Di- yeah, I got Lilo, um, Rafiki holding baby Simba. Yeah, they've got... Oh, I got a couple gizmos because uh, I call my wife Gizmo, so... Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, good stuff. No, they're fun to collect, and they're relatively inexpensive. I mean, there's some of them that, like, only had, like, one print run, and now they're, like, 30, 40 bucks, but I'm not going to pay them more than, like, five or seven bucks for them. It's just... Yeah, the, weren't you showing me the Dragon Ball ones that were really expensive? They could Dragon be. Ball Z. Yeah, they could be. I'm not sure... Um, yeah, there's certain sets that like are very, very expensive, but yeah. it is what it is. I'm not going to go, um, out of my way to get these. Travis writes in with some really interesting, would you rather questions? So he says the first one here, would you rather take a sci-fi take on Zelda or revolutionary war call of duty? Hmm. I think sci-fi Zelda is kind of what breath of the wild is. Didn't I mean, not completely, but they did at least with the Sheikah slate being more of that, sci-fi-esque or like yeah. neon-y robots and things i, I guess that's say, more sci-fi like, yeah, the different machines um, and stuff as far around. as like a total sci-fi that he's in like armor and it's more of like a mega man style yeah um that would be interesting yeah as far as call of duty goes um, i don't know if i grow up grew out of call of duty but the concept i can't get myself to play for that long mm-hmm. Uh, most of it is centered around online play. Yeah. I think the stories, it's not really about the main storylines. Not it's anymore. It's about the online play, and I'm out of that age demographic. Yeah, I mean, I think the PS2 era really focused on the single-player campaigns. They were anywhere from, like, 10 to 12 hours, mm-hmm. but... Um, I think Black Ops 2 was the last campaign that I did. Yeah, I think for, for me... It was Call of Duty. It was Modern Warfare 2 or Black Ops 1, whatever, whichever one came out first. Um, and Black Ops 4, first of all, like I said last episode, why are there four Black Ops? I will never know. Um, but there's not even going to be a single-player campaign. You know, they're just focusing on multiplayer, zombies, and then I think they have, like, some kind of battle royale mode to compete with, like, Fortnite and PUBG mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, so, yeah, for me, I think I'd really like to take, see, like, a sci-fi take on Zelda if they could somehow do, like... I think, like, Fox style, maybe? Like, like Star, Fox? Star Fox? Yeah, like a sci-fi, like, in space, like, m- visiting multiple planets. Like, you have some kind of, like... Um, airship that could transport yourself into different planets and there's different life forms on other planets and all these kind of galactic high rule can you imagine like a space ganondorf like just ruling the universe like almost like a um a thanos type ganondorf type of deal 
his black hole. There's essentially just like this infinity war of Zelda going on in space. Dude, that'd be pretty freaking awesome. That'd be awesome. And then you could conquer different planets yeah. and like increase your army. There, It'd be almost like, okay, so Matt, picture this. So essentially like the Far Cry games where you capture different outposts um, in the world. It'd be like that. But within the planets, there's different outposts on each like, you know, world. And it, there's all these different, like, lushed forests. There's, like, a desert environment, of course, a snow environment, volcanic area. Mm-hmm. Dude, that would be pretty sweet. And then you could build up, like, a ship, some, like, building kind of thing. Oh, yeah. So thing. almost, like, gummy ship, but actually awesome. Yeah. Not sucking completely. Yeah. And you could just, like, really build it out with all these unique, like, aesthetic, you know, things. And also just, like, new guns and everything. Except, what was that game that was about space exploration? No Man's Sky. Yeah. They've but- tried so many times to, like revamp that game and it's just not not yeah but not as bad as that one but like because didn't it take like an hour to get to one planet i don't really know i mean i think you know the 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 selling point for that game was just like everything was procedurally generated so no one was going to be experiencing the same thing twice you could like but no one experienced anything good once yeah (laughs) pretty much i think it was just a very boring walking simulator yeah um, which i can do that in rl yeah exactly and it's still Um, just as boring yeah, and th- as far as the Revolutionary War Call of Duty, one I think that would be interesting, Travis, I don't know if you ever played Civil War. It was basically a sponsored by the History Channel. It came out cool. on like the PS2. I think it came out on the 360. I played it and it was it was pretty fun, but you don't really think about the fact that like they had like what were they muskets and stuff like yeah, that. So you actually the had to reload. Like, you know, the reloading took like way too long, which it it Probably accurately realistic. depicted, yeah, what it was like back then, but we're so accustomed to just this quick reload, you know, strap in a, a new mag and go, that it really kind of slowed down and took you out of the experience. But yeah, because Revolutionary War, they're still using lined. I mean, it wasn't as. I mean, we started winning when we used guerrilla tactics and things, but yeah. it was still the old school. Let's line up against the British and you shoot, fire. they fall back, then the next line comes. Pretty much, yeah. And we were. I mean, ultimately, that was where we started losing is because they could pump in more people and we didn't have with the colonies enough people to yeah. survive. Um, so I think it would be a really, like you were saying, mm-hmm. a slow pace. Um, yeah, it would be really weird to play. I think if they made it more stealth-based so that you were kind of like almost, you know, at nighttime kind of trying to infiltrate these camps, if they could kind of like almost manipulate the the historical context of that era You'd be kind of going into different, you know, bases and stuff like that with, like, knives and, um, you know, like, pistols and, like, bayonettas and kind of just, like, making your way through, like, level maps. And then you'd have kind of, like, the the iconic open um, battles where it would be slower paced. But I think you kind of would have to mix it up with some of, like, stealth mechanics. Yeah, um, I mean, it could be interesting. The online play wouldn't be uh, you versus everyone on the map. It would have to be team play. Yeah. And you would have to be strategic and be on headsets and things. Yeah. Which could be cool because you have to basically time when each person on your team fires. If you're going to have reload times. Yeah. Which could be an interesting take. I think it would be frustrating with the mechanics. Um, yeah, it would definitely take a lot of time, a lot of minds to get a game that would work well, especially today with just like, we're always so fast paced. We have very little patience. So, um, I'd like to see them do a take on that, especially with the new newest generation of consoles. Um, the practicality of it actually happening though is, uh, kind of up in the air. I don't know if they'd actually invest in something like that. It would be cool though. Like 
starting out a campaign or like the first one, it's like the shot heard around the world, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Start out with that iconic events and like the way that they frame those things, they have their cinematic take on it. So it'd be like slow motion, yeah, like kind of thing. Um, and then going through the different events, I mean, you could almost play through the entire thing. Mm-hmm. Like, could you imagine? You know, like you're flying through a helicopter in most of the new ones, right? Yeah. So you're Washington going across the like the river oh, yeah. on Christmas Eve and you just start murdering people in their tents. <laughs> like that's the thing that we forget about Washington. It's yeah. like he killed people on Christmas while they were sleeping. Yeah. Just um, just throwing that out there. But like, that kind of stuff, they make those cinematics super intense when you're in a helicopter, you're going towards a battle and you see rockets flying at you. Yeah. But it's like you are slowly, you're looking around and you see like a dude paddling, right? Because you're paddling trying to be quiet. Snow's falling around you. Washington's in his cape. And, and they just have like this epic like... You're like bayoneting people in their Pirates sleep. Pirates being like... Bah, 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 bah. Ba, 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 ba. Or is that, that's, that that's Oblivion scary. or Skyrim yeah, or whatever? Yeah. They just have like this epic music as he's like slowly like just like he has his like knee up on yeah. the top of the like the, the front of the canoe and everyone else is like slowly just like paddling. You see like the people's breath or like the <laughs> cold stuff, or or it just starts start playing like Mulan. It's like I'm gonna make a man out of you. They start, as you like just impaling people <laughs> and they're like it shows their dreams and then their dreams being crushed as you stab them. We are so sick. <laughs> Oh my god. That'd gosh. be awesome though. That would be like, that'd sweet. be totally cool with that. I think the civil or yeah. The Revolutionary War would be cool. The Civil War is kind of sad. Yeah. Because you you could be killing your brother. Yeah. Like because well, that's what it was different like. sides. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I um, a, it's actually a game, so Yeah, and then you have like the March to the Sea, which would be interesting. Um I don't know. And then you could you get the French involved. In Let's the rev- get down to business. <laughs> <laughs> and you see like the cannon Defeat. fire. The British. Yeah. No, that'd be cool. I, I'd i be cool with that. Yeah. Um, all right. So <laughs> Mulan in the background. It's like the copyright. And yeah. All right. So take it off the shelves. Next question, time. Travis. I'm going to answer this in like two sentences. He says, would you rather have powers of Spider-Man or Wolverine? I think I speak for the both of us when I say I'd want to be Spider-Man, but look as handsome, ruggedly handsome as Hugh Jackman. Yeah. If I could have the chiseled abs <laughs> of Hugh Jackman. I, I don't know. I feel like there are a lot of downsides. Well, especially in Logan, where adamantium, you end up getting poisoned, mm-hmm. um, which conceptually makes sense. But he lived for like 300 years, dude. Yeah. I, I don't know. That's a really hard choice. I would say that's a lot harder than Spider-Man and Batman question that you came up with. Because mm-hmm. Wolverine's an actually compelling character. All right, we're going to move <laughs> on. No, no, no. No, I really like Wolverine. Um, he... There's a lot of depth to his character as far as abilities, having claws, and just impaling people. As far as practical uses go, yeah, I mean, unless I plan on being a serial killer, which is only like on Tuesdays, <laughs> or like on off years, yeah, probably not. Um, um, I like the regeneration aspect, definitely, and being able to essentially live forever. Well, I think I would have listened to War if I was Wolverine. I mean, let's be honest. Really. What else would I have use for these giant freaking claws and regening body? I just go on the front line like Wonder Woman did in her movie, and I would just like eviscerate people. I wasn't a huge fan of Wonder Woman. I think it was pretty good. I mean, okay, first of all, it's a DC movie. Okay, as far as DC movies go, it's like top 
it is the top tier. It's the bar that's <laughs> yeah. never going to be like, surpassed. What else? What other DC? Ex- except for the Dark Knight, nothing is ever going okay, to compare. Those to. are their own. Like... Yeah, Christopher Nolan. I mean, he just created an epic trilogy. So. Yeah. What the DCU? Um, yeah. Was it? It was it. I don't know. I don't know if they have a MCU kind of breakdown, but Spider Man. I don't know. It's really up to: Would you rather have the healing factor of Wolverine, or would you have Spider Man's abilities? I like to be like Jason Heine says in the beginning of the podcast, you know, your friendly neighborhood podcast. I'd like to be your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. Would you wear a mask and everything or would you just be like webbing around? Um, I don't know. Because then you get into like take or keep, keeping a secret from Lauren and like all these other things. And uh, I don't know how that would Crawling work. Crawling on ceilings on accident. When she thinks I'm like up late watching Pete on Twitch, I'm actually like flying around downtown and just chilling. Yeah. I don't know. That's that's a really hard one. I, I I'd probably want to have the healing factor of Wolverine, yeah. and the claws would just be an added benefit for like cutting up steaks. <laughs> 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 or uh, I, I'm like trying to think what else I could use adamantium claws for. It's a good bottle opener. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, that that'd be good. That'd be good like party. You know. Um, yeah. Party, party trick. Fi- yeah. Here and just middle finger people. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, the, you could uh, uncork a wine bottle pretty easy with those things. Yeah, I think one you'd break the glass Probably. just going through. Um, I yeah, the healing factor would be cool because then I could live for a very long time and learn more things, and then I could stab more stakes. And I don't know. You could be probably a, the healing factor. Yeah. And you can Spider-Man around, and you can be my transportation, and I can be the, like... That's fair. The brute force. Okay. Cutting up doors. Dynamic duo. duo. Yeah. Otaku Brothers. Yeah. Okay. I'm good with that. Cool. So, um, great would-you-rather questions, Travis. Um, Paige, Femtrooper, really good old-school friend from the YouTube community, <laughs> says the geekiest Halloween costumes could be a... <laughs> could, could be a cosplay convention related to... Oh, uh, no. Yeah, so... Oh, gosh. <laughs> I didn't even, th- I thought about mine, I didn't even think about yours, and then I thought about yours, and I'm like, okay, maybe we, I don't know if that's podcast appropriate. I think it is. I'm not swearing, right? <sighs> yeah, but there's a line there that you, <sighs> whatever. <sighs> okay, whatever. I'm, I'm not going to meet everyone in real life, so. Okay. I Just full disclosure, folks, one, I didn't know Ryan at this time, and I did not, su- <laughs> yeah. I did not support his choice in costume, yeah. okay? Just. So what about you, Rusty? Because I feel like mine are going to be questionable. Yeah, so for me, it was back in the day. Um, I think I was like a sophomore, junior in high school. One of my best friends that in the time, uh, Nick, uh, miss you, buddy. He's over over in Germany uh, right now. But in any <coughs> case, we were huge fans of Monty Python and the Holy Grail. And oh, so yeah. he um, had one of those horses on a stick thing. <laughs> and so he rode around that. He got a knight costume. So he was uh, King Arthur yeah. and I was Patsy. He got these official off online like coconut shells. That's awesome. And I walked behind, or I trotted behind him. We literally trotted the <laughs> entire neighborhood, and I'd click the, yeah, I'd click the coconuts, and he'd ride this horse, like around the whole neighborhood, <laughs> and we got candy. Um, Did everyone love that? No. So all the kids were looking at us that were our age that were just like, what a bunch of freaking losers. We're like, <laughs> yeah. we're teenagers. Like, why do they look like idiots? But all the parents were like, extra candy. You know, <laughs> yeah. they were all like. All the parents knew exactly what we were referencing. Oh, that's amazing. And so they were just like, you know, hooking us up with full size candy. Oh, bars. I would totally. If someone, I would empty my entire stash of yeah. candy into a kid who does that. Because you know, most kids that our age back in the day were just like, just 
stupid. They put on like a mask or like they they wore like a hockey jersey and they're like, oh, I'm a hockey fan. Give me candy. Yeah. Or you just have like that the rabbit and like attached to you too. Yeah, I mean, oh yeah. <laughs> um, but no, it was one of the best. It was it's the best costume I've ever worn to this day. Um, I think the next one Lauren and I did in college was um, we were really big into like watching Gilmore Girls at that time. Which no shame if I'm sure there's guys on here that happily watch Gilmore Girls, and if you don't, then whatever. Know, yeah. Um, but I was Luke and she was Lorelai, so I had like the the um, what are the the flannel shirt? I had you know I had my backwards hat on, and she had like um, <laughs> you know in the introduction of Gilmore Girls, she's running down the stairs like the first or second episode with like the jean shorts and the purple short and like the boots. Uh, with their hair tied up, that's what Lauren wore. Yeah, I can wore. relate to that. Yeah, so that's what Lauren wore, and I was Luke, and um, it was it was a cute, fun little costume that her and I did. So yeah, cool. So okay, so I'm just gonna like you know caution the listeners: this is not kid appropriate. Actually, um, both of mine are not <laughs> kid appropriate. Yeah, so just full disclosure: this is this is really like bordering on the explicit side of the podcast. We're trying so, not to. Yeah. So just keep, yeah. keep that in mind. Don't flag us, please. Cause I want to keep this podcast clean as I can. Yeah, it is clean. So, uh, my friend Matt, he had long hair back in high school. Um, and then he also had a beard. So he was really into guns in the military and, um, like special forces and all that kind of stuff. Um, so he went as combat Jesus. He had like gun holsters, his long hair, and he's like, okay, so what are you going to do? Because we were going to a, like, a, I guess a party downtown. And I was like, well, we were looking through the department store for Halloween costumes. And they're really expensive. Like, for the, oh, it's the amount that you wear them, like, a singular time, they're like $100. Which is irritating in itself. But I was in the women's section. <coughs> Where I usually shop. No, um, I was in the woman section, and there was a sexy nun costume, which you have, like, a hat, and, like, it was almost a gown, like a full, kind of down-to-your-ankles gown. And I was like, okay, I'm cool with this. So I got that, and I got uh, size 13 red heels, and I think I got... Are you trying to, like... <laughs> <laughs> are you trying to make a nod to like your shoe size and how that corresponds to other things are there yeah. what is that i have large feet it's a direct correlation okay whatever. yeah so um yeah i got that and then i got stockings and yeah when i was actually trying this on the only reason i was able to get away with this was because my dad at the time was in mexico on business and he had no idea that this was going on. And my mom thought it was kind of funny, I guess, as a, like a cringy, like, oh my gosh, what is my son doing kind of thing. So I, I, was, I had Lauren um, cut my gown a little bit shorter. And I like at the time, because I was on like a, a stool or whatever, I was bending over. So when I stood up, it was a lot shorter than what I wanted it to be. Um, so it was like mid thigh, which like short skirt. I, I pulled off the sexy nun look, but we were walking around downtown, like we were crossing like Main Street, and like people were just looking at us. But we had like f the fire department like honk at us. We had like some cops were like, 
Nice job. Like, oh looks good. We were, like, praying with people in the streets. But I have a new appreciation for um, heels. Yeah. And, I mean... Women actually being able to pull those off. Yeah. Holy cow. Like, the back, like, stiletto-y part, I don't know what even what it's called. I don't either. But it was... Mine was, like, two inches... Or, like, an inch and a half mm-hmm. thick. And... I have no idea how they do the like the little really thin ones. Yeah, that's it's crazy. And my calves, I mean, calf workouts you put like a couple hundred pounds on there. I my calves have never been so sore as the time I wore heels downtown. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. And um, yeah, I didn't shave, so I still had like a small beard um, at that time. But we walked into this party where we only knew the girl who was hosting it, and everyone was looking at the equivalent of like. I don't know, cross-dresser and a dude dressed up as Jesus. And we got the weirdest look. And, like, people were like, who the heck are these guys? I mean, rightfully so. Yeah. So that was an interesting night. Um, A lot of people honking at us. Um, The next one, I probably shouldn't say on the Yeah, I think you've already crossed the line with that. But that that was kind of, I don't know if that's nerdy as so much as, like, a questionable life experience that I had. Yeah, I think maybe the latter Um, on that one. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Yeah, that's about it. I, I didn't really dress up a ton that I can remember. Um, I know we had, like, kimonos because my aunt used to travel around. Mm-hmm. So we used to, like, she went to China and we got some stuff there. That was kind of cool. And then as we were little, really little kids, we dressed up as, like, tigers. So we had yeah, of course. one of our... Um, one of my relatives, like, made these costumes. Nice. So I was a tiger, which is pretty good. And then usually it's, like, the normal, like, baseball player, um, that kind of thing. But I think the last time I successfully pulled off a costume and my only time I've ever worn a short skirt and heels. Hopefully the last, right? And definitely the last, um, just for... (laughs) Actually, my dad came back from Mexico and he's like... He looked at my my Civic, and he's like, why are there giant red heels in the back of your car? Oh and I was gosh. like, Dad. <laughs> Don't <laughs> like, even ask. I'm like, I'm sorry. And then he saw, like, a picture that we had taken, which has since been deleted for good reason. Yeah. He's like, oh, my God. I'm going to go back to Mexico. <laughs> you know, like, I'm, I'm sorry. I and I'm back. probably not going to come <laughs> yeah. back. So, yeah. Um, yeah, so I think one other costume that I did was really fun. You know, I'm a huge fan of Halloween and, you know, the the villain, the iconic character, Michael Myers. And so um, I got, like, a really neat, like, mask of his back in the day, and I wore that, and I think it was, like, late junior high, maybe high school. And um, it had, like, this neat little, like, feature where you could, like, press a button and the, the mask would kind of, like, light up and stuff. But speaking of Michael Myers, for those that might not know a lot about the character, maybe you've just kind of, like, seen the movies in passing, aren't a big fan, whatever – it's really actually interesting how they got that iconic mask and how they made it. And so back in the original 19, whatever it was, 76, 79, John Carpenter film, they were looking for a mask for this character. And what they ended up doing was going to a Halloween store. They found a William Shatner mask for Captain Kirk. They, you know, gutted the eyes, stretched the mask, painted it white, and like essentially kind of, you know, made the hair all scruffy. And that's what the mask is in the film that you see. It's actually a William Shatner, Captain Kirk mask that they used in that film, which I think is just 
wildly interesting. Why? Can, can I borrow that movie? Because you you have it. Oh, dude, I have like, all of them on. Yeah, Blu-ray. can I borrow the first one? Because if I'm going to see the next one with you, you well, and that's the thing. It's is the like, one right after. It the is. First. Yeah, the other ones are kind of just being written off. Um, yeah, I might watch that tonight. Dude, I, I just gave you Ponyo. I gave you My Neighbor Totoro. Yeah, but Kiki's Delivery Service. Which I feel like seen. a Xenoblade too much like anime stuff at once is an overload, and I. Japanese I, I, RPGs are very, or it's similar genre. But I so badly want to watch Halloween with you. That's the thing. Okay. Yeah. Because I watched it with Lauren. I wanted to, well, she got actually pretty frustrated with me because I think it was last Halloween. Um, I, I'm obsessed with Halloween. Okay. I love, I love, love, love horror movies. And so that week I was watching all kinds of horror movies and I was like kind of making her watch them with me. Yeah. And then one night we went over to my dad's because we had to like watch Calvin or whatever. And, um... I was like, okay, sweetheart, you have to watch Halloween. This is just an iconic horror movie film. It's like essentially just like skyrocketed into, you know, what it is today. And she was like very hesitant. We watched it. And then at the end, because she gets anxious, you know, when she yeah. watches those types of movies. And so afterwards, I was like, what did you think? Did you like it? Was it like the greatest thing ever? And she just like looked at me like super pissed off. It was <laughs> yeah. just like, like I, get to, I get to choose the next movie for like the next week. And I was yeah. like, that's fine. That's fine. Oh. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we can watch that together. Uh, speaking of nuns, there is a The Nun. Oh, yeah, that right. looks super creepy. Yeah, is that in the same universe? Because there was a nun in one of the other ones. I think The right? Conjuring. I think it's The Conjuring I think it's 2. in the same. It's the second one. Yeah, I think it's the same <laughs> train of movies as those, is my understanding. I okay. could be wrong. Because The um, Conjurings were both really good. Those were genuinely terrifying. Yeah. Um, no, I, I'm cool with a good... Uh, scary movie like mm-hmm. if it actually has a plot and it's not just like teenagers who go into a like an insane asylum there's always one person who gets naked first and they die in like a shower and like it's usually the blonde person or like the token person yeah right no see and i totally get that i understand why people don't like him i like everything across the board the only thing that really gets me first of all i don't like um anything to do with like animals and just like killing them and stuff like that i mean if it happens in like a a halloween movie no like there's like a different realm of horror where it's just like just viciously killing animals type of stuff i don't i'm not okay with that (laughs) yeah um a lot of demonic stuff like the conjuring is like i I don't i I don't know i have to pushing your limits yeah it is i i enjoyed those movies quite a bit but those types of things like paranormal activity not so much that that's more just like jump scares kind of stuff are you um, like you don't like the possessiony stuff? That stuff really kind of hurts me. I think that stuff's awesome. I mean, it's it's. I would love to be possessed. Could you imagine how low my voice would be? It'd be great. Yeah. Okay, we're gonna agree <laughs> to disagree there. No, um, I, I I find that stuff. Not, yeah, I just not I just sit up at night less, like but, I just sit up late at night and just think about I just want to be possessed by Satan. Like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> like. In concept, if it could actually get a happen. Vader mask, then you'll sound super deep. Like, yeah, but then I'd also sound like Mufasa, kind of. Whatever. Um, no, I like pretty much all horror movies, but those really—I mean, I love, love, love vampire movies. I like the, you know, the um, Constantine. That's on Netflix now. Have oh, you seen Keanu Constantine? Reeves? Yeah, I haven't. It's really good. Yeah. Or I mean, yeah, it holds up well. Okay. I rewatched that. Um. It's no, I mean, so I think, you know, in October, which is kind of rapidly approaching here, um, I'd like to, one, have like a horror month 
of video games you and I playing through a bunch of not a bunch but maybe two at least two I don't know if I could actually do I can watch a movie but as far as like an extended we'll do one time, we'll do one co-op like amnesia or like those kind of games no we'll play through like an old school resident evil or we'll play through silent hill together i think pt would be one to go through okay have you seen that it? was like a silent demo. hill yeah i know it's terrifying it's but terrifying. like we're gonna go through like silent hill two or three together okay we're gonna do it um and then like just having a month of like watching different horror movies recommendations suggestions i know there's not a you know a lot of our audience might not be you know, in tune with that realm of whatever, but I think it's really fun to promote and talk about because it's something very special to me because I watched Pet Cemetery when I was six years old and it scarred me for life. Yeah. Well, um, I think one of my favorite horror movies is it's almost making fun of the genre. It's if um, you say scary movie, you're off the podcast. No, I I didn't find those funny. Not at all. They were garbage. Um, it it was um Cabin in the Woods. It's oh yeah, the, that's great. it. Was the one making fun of it. Mm-hmm. I, you know the ending, so I think we're thinking of the same thing. Oh, yeah, it's totally. Like a, no, it's like I did not see it coming at all. Yeah, I really like that movie. No, it's an and excellent it, movie. As far as like going into the genre and basically a genre making fun of itself, mm-hmm. that's totally where you should start. If you're you're trying to, I guess, wade into the pool that is scary movies, yeah. that's where I would begin because you essentially know the tropes of scary movies out of that yeah i mean we'll definitely you know recommend because there's certainly different tiers of horror whether it's like when i went and saw um the visit um i think m night Shyamalan might have uh, directed that with the two kids go visit their quote-unquote grandparents yeah that you know, was... like, i went and saw that with my mom my mom is like my horror movie buddy we go mm-hmm. to the movies all the time and watch horror movies together because lauren's just not you know I'll, I'll watch them first to kind of like screen it make sure it's okay for her and if it's not then she won't watch it but like, there's a tier of horror where it's, like, you're laughing at what's going on on screen, but also, like, equally terrified and, like, closing your eyes. Like, yeah. that's that kind of tier. But then there's, like, movies, like, genuinely, like, like ridiculously just disturbing, like, Hereditary, if you've ever seen that. Or Saw. Um, yeah. Saw is also, like, I don't like the... Like Gory the, for gore sake. Yeah, don't like that kind of stuff either. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, we've kind of derailed this into horror movies. So Well, I, I think The Visit is good because it's not... It, you have to think about it and be like... It's creepier the second you start thinking about it. You're like, if that happened to me, holy cow. Like, I'm getting chills just thinking about it. Plus, at the same time, like, they infuse so much humor with the little boy in it. With him, like, singing and dancing, yeah. you know, videotaping himself. He was, yeah, he, had, he did really he well. He really did really, yeah, great performance by him and his sister. Um, yeah, I don't know. We'll, we'll talk horror more in depth in October, but uh, maybe even kind of just for preface that month coming up. Um, if there's anything that you guys want to specifically see, um, you can write into the show that, you know, topics, um, yeah, I mean, even if it's not video game related, yeah, movies, whatever it is, you know, if you want us to talk about it, um, I think it'd be really fun to kind of not center the whole month because four weeks of that would be a little bit excessive, but maybe two weeks talk about video games and movies could be a lot of fun. So write into the show. If you guys have any suggestions, it'd be fun to get some audience feedback yeah, for that. Cause you, you did a poll and like, mm-hmm. I think it was. PSP and the 90s stuff? Yeah, so I I um actually I've did a lot of work um this week about show topics mm-hmm. in the future and I actually have segmented the growing up in the 90s <laughs> series into three different episodes. Okay. So we'll do that over a, a number of weeks. We won't do it back to back. Preferably three. You no, know, but I'm saying like I don't want to do three weeks back to back to back of just 90s. Like we'll do one, take two to three weeks off, do another 90s episode. Yeah. But fine. the way I've structured it, I think it's going to be really just a love letter to the folks that listen to this show that have grown up in the 90s. And I think it's 
appropriately segmented into these three different topics. So I think you guys are going to enjoy that. Yeah, we were I, – I was at the bank having to do banking stuff, and the guy was like, oh, you're from the 90s, like 90 – two is when i was born and he's like i'm from 90s and we were just ranting about like 90s stuff oh yeah and like how people nowadays can't talk because they're on their phones like going back to like the razor and like oh my the nv2 my first cell phone was the or envy the chocolate i remember that it was like a little thing that you like pushed up and then it had like this little click wheel thing um yeah i was obsessed with that thing see i was never good at the um the phones that you had to click like for number one it had three letters associated with it lauren was like a like genius she like if you ever watched her in her old phone she was like a savant the way she how fast she typed her text because you could wasn't there word as well like you start typing things and it gives you options i had to get my first phone as like the nv2 because it was the one the first phone with a keyboard like you open it up and like there's no way there's no way i could type the other way i think my okay so yeah the chocolate first and then i had a phone that i was just incredibly obsessed with i'd probably honestly forgo my iphone just to have it back because i loved it that much was the voyager okay it had like a huge screen and then when you opened it up it had like a ridiculously large keyboard um the front part of it was like a touch screen it was a sweet yeah those really keyboards slick phone. were really nice yeah um yeah phones we can go on for days 90s we'll definitely do a nice little tribute to all you 90s kids out there mm-hmm. um in a couple episodes but for sure last question we'll kind of go over this quickly because um <laughs> Lauren's actually outside waiting for a good oh, okay. for us to come in. So, Joshua, friend we met in college. Hey, man. Yeah, seriously. I didn't even know you listened to this show. Yeah. Um, but he wrote it and says, how important is online multiplayer? It's not. All right. <laughs> <laughs> it, it really depends on the game. It really as does. As far as like Monster Hunter goes, I, I don't find any enjoyment playing by myself for Monster Hunter. The accomplishment of beating a monster is not... I mean, it's more going in with the squad. I mean, the difficulty is increased, but it's conquering things together. Like, as far as, like, um, shooter games, I don't know. You can play so many matches, and it's repetitive. Mm -hmm. Um, So in some games, it's not as needed. Um, I don't know if I would ever play Uncharted online. It's actually really fun. Or, I mean, like... Stuff like God of War, I don't think you would translate. I think there is a God of War online. Ascension, yeah, on the yeah. PS3. That's a weird kind of turning point for the series. But as far as, like, games, like RPGs and things and MMOs, those are great online. Yeah, I think it really, like you were saying, it's very dependent on the game. Like, a game like Rainbow Six, um, I usually don't mind if I go into these random matches unless there's, like, these little teeny bopper kids that mess up the entire match by just killing each other instead of the objective at hand, which is killing the terrorists and whatever. Um, but yeah, a game like Monster Hunter, I think it really enhances the experience when you're playing these games with specific people. Yes, but like Rick and Ben and I get on and we have our headsets on. We're different parts of the state and we're going like, hey, come on, man, why'd you die? (laughs) Yeah, like you create these specific rooms that your buddies join in. Mm -hmm. And, uh, like I played Fable 2 a lot online with my buddies back in in high school, (laughs) going through some of the story missions. Um, I think it's, it's much more, um enjoyable experience if you play with people that you know um and granted there are people out there that love just playing on Fortnite and just playing for hours on end with random people but that's just not my scene um yeah i'd much rather either play in the same room ryan and i going through like the resistance games together or something like monster hunter where i go in and i slay monsters with my buddies mm-hmm. so yeah, those, yeah i guess those, those are my two cents on multiplayer yeah it's good to hear from you again Yasha. yeah yeah i hope it's you're doing well way man. too long yeah all right, but thank you everyone for writing into the show. Really appreciate it, either on Instagram 
or the Gmails, otakubrotherspodcast at gmail.com. Write in to the show, whether you have feedback or questions, always much appreciated. But uh, we're going to get into the main topic of the show tonight. We are, or I guess this morning, afternoon, whatever time of day it is, doesn't even matter. Uh, we're going to be talking about the PlayStation Portable, um, you know, Sony's system that uh, first time they went portable to kind of compete with Nintendo in kind of the handheld space. So how Ryan and I are going to kind of structure this conversation is we're basically going to do a a brief history for those of you that might not know the PSP or not familiar with, you know, its its release and all the games surrounding it. Just a brief history of kind of leading up to the launch of that. Um, Ryan and I are, going to, I are going to kind of detail our stories about when we got the system ourselves and then kind of delve into kind of um, our first games, our favorite games, and, and maybe even certain games. At least I have a few that um, I haven't yet played, but hopefully plan to play in the future. But uh, for those of you that maybe are familiar with the PSP, big fan of the system, uh, feel free to write into the show for some of your favorite games because there's a definitely a great um, library of games here kind of across all genres, especially RPGs. So uh, anything that we don't mention you uh, were a big fan of, feel free to write us uh, right into the show and let us know what you loved. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so brief history of the system. I kind of pulled a lot of this information from Wikipedia. Uh, clearly, I don't know all this information off the top of my head. I'm not a walking encyclopedia. So basically, the system was originally announced um, that it was being developed by Sony at E3 in 2003. That's kind of like the whatever E3 stands for, Electronic Something Expo. Um, basically, you know, just all the developers get together, third parties kind of detailing what they're developing, currently working on, and things that are down the pipeline for release. And so Sony kind of basically just word of mouth said that they were working on a handheld console. They didn't actually in any way showcase the system or any games or anything like that, just brought into the public that they're working on a system. So then it was officially shown the following E3 in 2004, where I believe the system, you know, its specifications, the system itself was kind of shown. I think developers or uh, I guess people in the public in the industry got their hands on the system, maybe got to play some of the, the launch titles. And then it was officially released later that year in Japan on December 12th, 2004, subsequently re- released in North America on March 24th, 2005, two days after my birthday. Um, I don't know. I honestly can't. And we'll get to this in a second. I don't recall if I got it the, the year it launched or the year after. I think it was the, maybe the year after. But in any case, um, I'd argue that this was really the first system to actually compete with a Nintendo handheld. Um, you know, we'll get to the, the actual numbers here shortly, but... You know, previously in the late 90s, early 2000s, you had systems like the Neo Geo Pocket Color, um, the Nokia's N-Gage, the very infamous phone handheld type system that really did not do well uh, for Nokia. And then, of course, the Wonderswan, the Wonderswan Color. Um, I think there was one other model. Um, they, you know, they kind of dipped their toes into the handhelds, the handheld market, but I really don't think they made a significant impact with, you know, the Game Boy, the Game Boy Advance, and, of course, the, um, the Nintendo DS, as we'll kind of get into here shortly with with the sales numbers but this is the psp you know of course standing for playstation portable is to this day the only handheld console to use optical um optical disc format so the the umd universal media disc which was really pretty interesting for the time because you know you of course have handheld or you of course has home consoles where you put mm-hmm. discs in um, but these little discs were like in like these little plastic cases it was essentially like mini gamecube discs i mean gamecube discs are already very tiny but yeah. these things were like very tiny that you'd kind of insert into the back of the console. This like little, um, you know, slot would open up when you kind of press this little button and you'd slip this little disc in and then kind of close the console on the back. And so the PSP originally launched, you know, 2005 or 2004, 2005, Japan, 
United States or North America, respectively. And the, the first model, uh, appropriately named, Sony's always very clever with their, their naming conventions, PS1, PS2, and PS3, and PS4. Yeah. Appropriately, the PSP was named the PSP 1000. And then um, in 2007, um, there was an even, or no, 2000, was it, what do my notes say here? A thinner model, appropriately named the PSP 2000, was released in 2007. And then, of course, the PSP 3000 model was released the following year in 2008. And then the abomination of a console, the PSP Go. I don't even know if you knew that existed. No, I didn't know that was a thing. So the PSP Go was basically didn't have um, the same body as the PSP system because the PSP was basically this rectangular, oval-shaped console. And it, the first model was actually a pretty significant brick of a system. It was relatively I'm heavy. It up now. And as you go to the 2000 and 3000 models, they were much slimmer, much lighter, and had a lot, you know, Ah. The power of the system itself was a lot more um, significant. Mm-hmm. Um, and the picture quality on the screen was also much much better with the 1000 to the 3000 as well. Um, the PSP Go was all digital, so you actually couldn't fit UMD discs into the system itself. It was They went completely digital. And if that would have come out, you know, if they would have done like a Vita, you know, Vita Go or something like that in the year 2018, I think it might have would have – people would have been on board with that. Yeah. But I think that was at an age where people still much appreciated the physical media. It was before its time. Before the iOS really kind of took off the iOS market with games like Angry Birds and whatever. Yeah. And so it really kind of just, I think, tanked for them. I don't know the specific sales numbers, but um, you ask anyone that is a fan of the PSP and they pretty much just um, completely ridiculed the PSP Go. It was just not a success for Sony. Um, <laughs> yeah, look up the numbers if, if you can. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't think very many people are fans of the PSP Go. I'd like to meet, I think Joe, Corn Muffin X, if you're listening to this show, I think he was a big proponent of the PSP Go. I think like the PSP itself, you could kind of hack it to to play ROMs. And I think for most people, that's what it was. It was kind of just like a ROM machine. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, never played the PSP Go. So those are all the models. And then, so I think, Ryan, you have the, the numbers for Nintendo DS, but shipments of the actual system, the hardware itself, ended in 2014 up to that point, you know, its 10-year lifespan had sold roughly 80 million units. You know, anywhere you look, you can find between 80 and 85, which I don't know the specific numbers, but I'm pretty sure the PSP or the, the PS2 is the greatest selling console of all time at 150 million units. Um, the Nintendo DS is what, like 100? 150-ish. What was the PSP or what is the PS2 then? Um, I think the – yeah, check that out because I feel like the Nintendo DS was like just below the PS2 if I remember correctly. But even that said, you know, you look at those numbers and you think, wow, okay, so the PSP really didn't even compete with Nintendo DS. But the fact that they sh- they sold over 50% of what the DS did was actually That's m- crazy. A, a miracle. Because, you know, pre- if you look at the, pre- the numbers for previous consoles, handheld consoles like the Neo Geo Pocket Color, the Nokia's N-Gage, Wonderswan, they don't even have a fraction of the sales that, the, the you know, the Nintendo counterparts at the time had. Um, so it was very significant for the PSP or Sony, I should say, um, to really dip their toes into that market share and um, have such an impact, you know, on the industry for that time frame that they did. And I think a lot of it had to do with um, Japan. I think games like Monster Hunter, um, everyone in Japan had a PSP and was playing Monster Hunter at the time. Yeah. Um, that really moved consoles, I think, for Sony. Um, but there are so many other great games, as Ryan and I will get into here shortly, um, that either people don't talk enough about or really don't talk about at all. Um, so it's a shame that, you know, Monster Hunter might have been the main draw, but there's really 
uh, a terrific library library of games here, really across all genres. You have great adventure games, platformers, puzzling games, specifically RPGs, which is very well represented uh, by Square Enix and other developers as well. So, Ryan, let's get into kind of um, maybe our first experiences with the system, and maybe if you recall when you actually got your, your PSP. Okay, first off, the PlayStation 2 is greater than 155. Okay. And then Nintendo DS is 154. Wow. Um, and then it drops down to Game Boy Color at like 118. Well, that's Game Boy and Game Boy Color. No, wait a second. Excuse me, I just took a drink. Look to see if you can find either the Nokia N-Gage sales or the Neo Geo Pocket Color on there because I'd be really interested to hear, or even the Wonderswan. How many units those sold compared to like the Game Boy? Engage is three million. Oh my gosh! Um, Half of those are Pete Door. <laughs> Let's see, Engage. What else? There's some really low ones. Phillips CDI. Oh yeah, uh, Pete actually played a game a couple nights ago called um, Girls Club. Girls Club. It was like screamed '90s. Basically, it was like a dating simulator type thing where there was actual footage of people like talking Mm -hmm. and it's basically like this dating simulator where you had like all these different guys and you try and pair up for like basically the 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 ideal date with a guy and uh it was really interesting how it like was not procedurally generated but it was almost like you'd figure out like who had the best date who had the best guy based on their personality or whatever but it was really interesting those full motion video type games were really popular like in the mid to late 90s yeah and the cdi well that just what how many units did it sell you say greater than a million okay so pretty rough yeah the Vita, PlayStation Vita is 10 to 15 estimate. Okay. But Sega even you, Game you, Gear. Oh, yeah. Here we go. Um, that is 10 million. Oof. Um, that's not terrible. That's just the, the fact that you need Wii like 32. Wii 13, which is... Oh, my gosh. That's pitiful. The Switch is 19. GameCube is 21. Uh, Xbox is 24. Wait, okay. I, I thought the Xbox would have sold more than... Like the original Xbox? Yeah, it sold more than just 24 million. Yeah, it's, those are pretty low numbers. Atari, 30 million. Which one? 2,600, 2,200? 2,600. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Okay, so anyway, back to when I first got it. Yeah. I don't... I mean, that's middle school time period for yeah. me. Mm-hmm. So I don't actually have much of my memories from back then. That's probably the, like, for the best, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> I... They're kind of uh, repressed. Yeah, of course. But I remember having it. It was probably, it's after I got a um, DS for sure. Um, So we, my friend Max and I back in the day, we really wanted to play Castlevania, but we weren't allowed or I wasn't allowed. Um, So we snuck that one. And I think PSP was kind of the same thing. I like undercover bought this. Okay. Yeah. So I could play Grand Theft Auto because Grand Theft Auto, that was when it was like oh yeah well, synonymous with like, he's going to murder people if he has Grand Theft Auto. One thing too, you know, like <laughs> I I watched Pet Cemetery when I was six. I had Grand Theft Auto 3 when I was like nine, which granted probably isn't for the best, but I was ways, raised in such a way by my parents that I knew that hijacking cars and beating up old ladies on the side of the road is probably not the best thing morally to do. Yeah, so, so I've only served uh, two sentences two, okay. in Azkaban. Yes. And um, because of my Grand Theft Auto playing. Time. And that's where you met your now wife, Bellatrix. Yeah. <laughs> She's kind of strange. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> but um, yeah, it, it was a lot of fun 
playing all those games back in the day. It was the first console that I played with Wi-Fi. Yeah, well, yeah. Um, so I don't know, just act because our computer was guarded, or it was like the oh, parents yeah. had the password. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so yeah, being able to like use Google or like search things. Um, like if I had a question about life, I guess that's when you're questioning oh, yeah, that, life. Oh yeah, Google's the answer. Yeah, Google's your best friend. Yeah, it was yeah. actually Ask Jeeves back then. Oh my then. gosh, yeah. Um, and then I was able to put like a Windows emulator on my thing, mm-hmm. so you could get like chess and Tetris. Oh and yeah, all those things, which is pretty cool. You nice. could run that in the background. How wild was it back then, though, to really have like an internet browser in your hands? Because then, I mean, when the iPhone came out, in, like 2005, 2006, or eight, maybe it was 2008 the iPhone even came out. I don't know. Whenever it was, it, regardless, it was really mind-blowing for us as junior high kids to have a the internet in our hands. Yeah. You know, it was, it was wa- the first kind of glimpse of that technology. Yeah, it really was. And to be able to download music on this device, of course, we had iPods back then, but you could, you know, download photos, music, videos, like really anything you wanted in this like little portable device, which was mm-hmm. so far beyond what nintendo was doing with like what do they call it picto chat or whatever that stupid little thing was but yeah which at the time you thought like oh my gosh i could chat with people with my little ds and draw little pictures and everything um but when the psp came out you know subsequent to the ds it was just like as far as like from a technological standpoint so far and above what nintendo was doing at the time yeah um rent circles around like mario games that were still oh yeah side scrolling and Mm -hmm. everything yeah yeah cool what about you so I remember um, my buddy came over that actually sold me his DS so that he could afford the PSP at the time. So I got his DS fat with like Ridge Racer, Asphalt, um, GT, and Super Mario 64 DS. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I played that. I think it was. So I played for about a year. And then when he came over, you know, maybe six months after he'd purchased it and showed me like Need for Speed Underground that he was playing on this, his PSP, I was so blown away at how beautiful on screen this game looked it yep. looked like i was playing like a ps like an early ps3 game or late ps2 game on a portable device it was really wild to me because if you look at like i'm playing ridge racer on my nintendo ds fat and then i'm looking at need for speed um whatever the the subtitle was for rival or not rivals i don't whatever it was for um the psp they had like weirdo subtitles for all their ps2 to psp counterparts so mm-hmm. instead of hot shots golf like Three, it was Hot Shots Golf Open T, you know, Return weird. of the King. Exactly. So, um, but yeah, so I was so blown away and I really didn't have the money at the time. So, um, regrettably, of course, I had to do this a lot growing up because um, I didn't have a job and my parents weren't like going to willingly fork over 250 plus tax for the system alone. So I saved up my allowance for a couple months. I traded in my DS fat and at that time, a significant number of games into GameStop. And at that point, I remember taking the system off the shelf, walking up to the counter um, after I had accumulated all of this trade credit and the cash that I had in my pocket, and I said, I just want the system. And they said, you don't want any... There's no games tied to the system. Like, you have to get a game in order to... Or else you're just going to have, like, an internet browser and whatever. (laughs) And I was like, well, I actually have a $50 Walmart gift card that I'm going to run over to Walmart and get my game. And so they're like, okay. So I bought the system after all the trade credit and my allowance... Went over to Walmart with my mom or to my dad, whoever ended up taking me. And uh, for whatever reason, I don't remember like looking, you know, in the glass case of all the games and like this game was just shining. But for whatever reason, I picked Virtua Tennis as my first game 
with absolutely no regrets. I went home and I played this game nonstop for hours. I literally had to sit next to the wall because I had to complete, just charge the charge unit all the, all the time because I was playing it, you know, so incessantly. So um, my cousin came over and he and I were playing it, you know, just passing the control or passing the the PSP back and forth, just playing different tennis matches. And, and that's actually, you know, one of my favorite games for the system. I really enjoyed it. Um, but, you know, a couple weeks later, maybe a couple months later, um, I got enough money to to buy a couple other games. So I got Grip Shift, which was this really wacky, cartoony-looking racer. Um, it was almost like Grip roller coaster-type tracks that you raced on. And you can actually construct and build your own tracks, similar to like a roller to- coaster tycoon thing. Yeah. And then you can kind of like um, test the track before you'd actually race on it. That's so cool. that was really neat to be able Is to... Is that the one where you fire rockets at people? No, or... that's Twisted Metal. Okay. Which that's actually a game I forgot on my list for favorite games. Um, Twisted Metal Head-On, I think is what they called it. Because that used PS1. to be on a different console, right? Or yeah. something similar? So it was on the PS1 originally, and then PS2 was kind of revitalized with P- uh, Twisted Metal Black. Okay. And then um, carried on to the PSP and the PS3. Mm-hmm. We haven't seen a... Yeah, they, I think the series is pretty much dead at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, it hasn't gotten on the PS4, I don't think it will. Like, there's games like Rocket League and... Um, I don't, it's, it's kind of a dying breed. I actually really liked the car combat type games. Like Vigilante 8 on the Nintendo 64. I don't know if you've ever played that. No, I haven't. But that was super duper fun. And that was, I think, yeah, well, I'm not sure what came out, Twisted Metal 1 before Vigilante 8, but whichever it was, the car combat genre of games has really died off, which is sad because that was a really fun kind of offshoot of um, like your Diddy Kongs and Mario Karts because mm-hmm. uh, you weren't actually racing. You were just fighting each other. Um but yeah, so Grip Shift was fun for the time, and then um, I got Hot Shots Golf Open Tee. That just opened a whole other can of worms because then I forced my dad to get a PSP so he and I could actually play ad hoc multiplayer tournaments together. We played hundreds of hours doing that on vacations and even just at home. And then the fourth game that was kind of like one of my first games that I got within the first year of having the system was a game called Coded Arms, okay. which was a corridor first-person shooter, very much like Halo. It was very futuristic-looking. Um, it got very repetitive, but for the time, graphically and just having a first-person shooter on the system, now granted you only had one um, analog stick, so it made it pretty darn difficult to actually play, um, but I still had a heck of a time playing it. Um, coded Arms, and I think there was a second one on the system too that I never played. Um, but yeah, those, those are like the first four games that I had in the, the year. Um, but out of those, I mean, Hot Shots and Virtua Tennis, man, I, I played those to death, and I actually ended up giving my copies of the games to Meacham's um, he is on Twitch TV. He streams. He's actually doing a marathon right now, streaming the Tony Hawk games. But he announced on one of his streams one night that you know he's been really in the market for a PSP and never had one. And and I have two, so I was um, I happily gave him one because I knew it was going to a great home. And it sounds like he's really really enjoying the system right now. Nice. So, what were you gonna say? Yeah. Speaking of, I'm I'm looking at your Vita right now with two analog sticks, and I totally forgot that. Oh yeah. There weren't two analog sticks on the original oh, brutal and i wanted to go back and play my battlefront yeah because i needed like the original battlefront and i don't have everything kind of set up and it is impossible it's really hard it is really hard yeah. especially when you're trying to aim a gun far away and you have to aim not with an analog stick, exactly but with arrows you're like, like, you have like what a, the heck is a going sniper on? or something yeah, yeah it's i don't it's, know how i ever played that game oh yeah no it's it's really difficult and i think that's why you know, there's Killzone made it onto the PSP, but it was called Killzone Liberation. It was more of like a a tactical style game yeah. instead of first person because I think the developers knew that like it's just too difficult to play a game like this without dual analog. Yeah, it, it has to be. I mean, 
Yeah. Oh my gosh. I was, I was on Hoth and everything was white and yeah. except for like the characters and even ATATs I was having trouble hitting. Yeah. No, it's it's not easy and uh but I guess you know you have to put yourself under that time like there was no other portable consoles. Oh, that, it was great back then. That, in the that day. had dual, dual analog, you know. Yeah. So at at that time it was like you over completely overlooked that. And I think that's the case for <laughs> all, you know, the NES, the Super Nintendo. You overlooked the the, the PlayStation 1 controller, the first PlayStation 1 controller didn't have analog sticks at all. It was just like this nasty-looking, boomerang-looking thing. That, really? Oh, yeah, it just had the the, the 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 control pad and then your X, square, circle, triangle buttons and then the, the R1, R2 buttons. I don't know if I've ever seen um, Yeah, it was literally like a boomerang. It was disgusting. And uh, to play games like Spyro without analog was, like, ridiculous. So when Sony introduced the dual analog, it was like, this is revolutionary, you know? Oh, wow. Um that is ugly. Right? It's like a... It is that is like, very ugly. It's like a boomerang. It's crazy. Um, yeah, so, I mean, playing the Vita, you know, games like Killzone Mercenary was just terrific, man. That's such a fantastic game. Um, but playing a dual analog, man, it's like night and day difference than the PSP. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, but, yeah, those are my kind of first experiences with the system. Um, yeah, I mean, it's very rare that I get a system at launch. Um Especially day one, I usually get like within the launch window, like the Wii, um, the the PSP, the Vita, the, the 3DS, and stuff like that. But uh, like the Switch, I'm gonna get it like two years after release. The PS4 yeah. got like two or three years after release because, um, but I think it's so special for for having that memory with the PSP so short after release to kind of experience some of those first games and all the hype surrounding it and everyone trying out this new device is just really um, unmatched. So, um, but yeah, so you want to kind of just start rattling off back and forth our favorite games and why we love each. Yeah, so I have seven games that I've played. All right, so why don't we just uh, kind of go back and forth. Go ahead okay. and talk so, about... So Grand Theft Auto is... Or Liberty and Vice City. I yeah. have both of those. Yep. I don't remember anything about the plot. No, no. Because the plot doesn't matter. No. I just remember biking and, like, crashing cars and just... Something about Grand Theft Auto, the, like, actual driving around. Mm-hmm. It doesn't... Like, no other driving around game compares to... Oh, I don't think so. ...the freedom and just the feeling of driving through a Grand Theft Auto game. Yeah, no, it is... It's it's like Skyrim in the real world though, you know, because it's like in Skyrim you can kind of wander this this map and find caves and get lost and, but it's like GTA. It's it's almost like you're every day, but like it's it's kind of still fantasy in a sense yeah. because you're just driving around mindlessly, running wrecking cars and yeah. For the number of like hijackings that I do in real life, yeah, 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 exactly. It's a little more frequent in the game. Yeah, exactly. But yeah. Just a little bit. Just a tad. Um, yeah. It, that goes back to the analog thing again. It was hard to aim and everything. I think it had auto lock on though. I think it did. So you yeah. could still do that. So that helped. Um, but it was it was fun to accumulate. I mean, there's always going to be that like best car that you're trying to shoot for. Mm-hmm. So finally getting one in the right color and then like putting it in your garage and upgrading I think, um, things. Now correct me if I'm wrong, either listeners or even Ryan. I think Liberty City Stories was essentially like a remake of Grand Theft Auto Three. And then Vice City Stories was, of course, a remake of, of Vice City on the PS2. I don't know if there are any drastic differences or if you played as the same character in both games. I honestly don't know. But like you said, the plot was like so second. The, yeah, the plot doesn't really matter. Yeah, it was that, not priority it's for us. Not, yeah, it's not like a Resistance or an Uncharted, which I'm looking at here, the games behind your computer. Oh, yeah, I have to go to my dad's and watch Calvin. So um, I'm bringing those games to my Vita. Nice. And, uh, 
What do I got over there? Uncharted, Resistance, and... Uh, One more, let's see. Uh, I think it's Final Fantasy X. Yeah, Final Fantasy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so good fun on the Vita. We'll get to that uh, maybe next week at games I've been playing recently. But um, yeah, yeah, so maybe on the same train as, as Grand Theft Auto. Did you ever play um, um, Chinatown Wars? No, what is that? So that was, I think... Jackie it, Chan and... Sort of. So originally, I think it came out on the... Um, the Nintendo DS, which is the system that I originally played it on. I've not played the PSP counterpart of okay. that. Um, but I think they're the same games. I'd really strongly recommend people play the Nintendo DS version because the touchscreen functionality makes the game that much more fun because you're like hacking car or you're like um, hot wiring cars. You're like, if I remember correctly, you're doing something with drugs. Like you're like, um, oh wow, you're not taking them, but I think you're like, I can't remember. You use the touchscreen to do something with, with, Drugs I couldn't imagine like that. that would be like well received. Just like here, take drugs on your yeah. No, I, I don't think it was like that. It's like you were preparing them to sell or whatever. Because essentially, you're like in the triad gang, or you're either in a part of the triad gang, or you're trying to infiltrate it, and you're like a undercover cop type thing. Mm-hmm. So very much like Sleeping Dogs. I think your father earlier on, like in the, like the first sequence of the game, he's killed or something, and your main character is essentially trying to get revenge from the gang that killed him. Um, but what really makes this game interesting is it's not the 3D. Um, you know, game that you experience with Vice City and Liberty City stories. Yeah. This is actually like bird's eye view, um, like the early PS1 Grand Theft Auto games were. Okay. Um, and I think those are kind of archaic by today's standards. They're kind of difficult to go back to. Um, I may be wrong. I haven't really played them in years. But Liberty, or not Liberty, Chinatown Wars really just, it's just so fun. I don't really know how else to describe it. It's just a great time. So if you have a PSP or a DS, again, prefer the DS version, but... If you only have a PSP, Meachums, definitely check out Chinatown Wars. Um, it is such a great Grand Theft Auto game and definitely the mix-up I think that the series needed back in the day because, you know, they had the Grand Theft Auto 4, um, all the DLC for that, and then the Grand Theft Auto 5 came out, you know, a couple years ago as well. This was the perfect mix-up for that franchise that we needed, and I hope, I, I honestly, I don't think it's going to happen, but because the 3DS is a dying breed, as is the, well, the Vita is pretty much done. But, man, I would have loved to have seen either a Chinatown Wars 2 or something in that same vein because it was just such a terrific game that uh, I don't think it was as received well. I think it was received well, but I don't think as many people played it as they should have. So check out Chinatown Wars for sure. You yeah. looking at it? Yeah, it's definitely more top-down for sure. Yeah, it's it completely is. But, um, but man, is it, was it a heck of a lot of fun. Looks pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, what about you for your first game or one of yours? Lord of the Rings Tactics. How could I not <laughs> talk about any system without first mentioning a Lord of the Rings game? So this is a game that is very much like Fire Emblem. It is a tactical grid-based RPG where you play through the events of the movies, believe it or not, and they have both a good and evil campaign. Oh, crap. I totally forgot about this game. You played it? Yeah. This is great. Oh, yeah, dude. It was so much fun. I mean, this is not Fire Emblem, okay? This is not Valkyria Chronicles. This is not your Advance Wars. This is not to that caliber, okay? This is Lord of the Rings tactics. So take that with so a grain of salt. Exactly. It's better. Um, for me, it is. But most people probably look at it and be like, that's garbage, Rusty. But you know what? Forget you guys. Yeah, this is awesome. Yeah, no, Lord of the Rings tactics was a great little tactical RPG. You could beat each campaign in probably five to six hours, which for me, that's that's plenty of preferred you know I, I anything more than five hours i think is is a good experience and well worth it especially for this I, you can get this game for probably 10 bucks or less these days it's it's so worth it oh this was great i'm just going through all the images on 
online. Yeah. I, I've missed this. So any of you tactical um, turn-based RPG fans out there, if you're a fan of Fire Emblem, mm-hmm. Advance Wars, stuff like that, definitely definitely pick out yourself a copy of Lord of the Rings Tactics. Inexpensive, lots of fun, both in evil and good campaigns. So. I might <coughs> see if I can go grab this somewhere. The um, That one store near you that might have it. Yeah. Otherwise, they'd have to probably go to eBay because GameStop stopped carrying PSP games a long time ago. Do they? Oh, dude. The original ones? They're, they're probably are, just Vita. They right? hardly even carry Vita games anymore. Yeah. They don't even have like a dedicated section for Vita. It's like, like oh, you want In a Vita? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Maybe. We have a um, a dumpster out back. That's where that's where we keep them. So. Yeah. You still have to pay for them, though. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> From the dumpster. From the dumpster. Yeah. Um, I guess my second game would be Bounty Hounds. Okay. This is one I've not heard of or played. Oh, you should look it up. Okay, I'm looking it up Um, right now. So Bounty Hounds was kind of... It was actually an RPG. It was really good. Um, It was... Essentially, you're a bounty hunter. Flippity-clopping over here. I don't remember any of the plot. I still haven't beaten the second boss. Or the final boss. Was this like a Tecmo KO? KO? Kome? Whatever the heck it is. It looks like a... um, It looks like a Dynasty Warriors type deal. I don't know. Maybe not. What is this? Keep uh, talking. Keep talking. Okay, so... Yeah, basically, you're a bounty hunter. There's, like, robots. You have... Oh, this, looks like, a, this looks like intense. Yeah, it is. You have guns. You have, like, melee weapons. And you're fighting other bounty hunters, I think. Yeah, I still never beat the final boss, like, on the second playthrough. I got there, but... This looks really impressive graphically. Like, this yeah, almost it was looks amazing. Like, this almost looks like Fantasy Star Online. Like, wow. We uh, played through the campaign, Max and I, back in the day. And I... Like, the loot system for it. I mean, you're killing a bunch of these robots trying to get their guns, their, like, mm. swords and things. Um, it's a lot of fun, fun to grind out, or it was a lot of fun to grind out with uh, Max. Nice, nice, nice. Yeah. Um, I need to go back. Hopefully that one... I don't remember it. Uh, I guess it would still suffer from the analog problem. But, Probably, yeah. I mean, any game like that where it's it's three-dimensional and you're traversing some kind of world, yeah. it's going to be tough to play. I still have to go back and beat that final boss just for childhood's sake. Yeah, I mean, even my next few games, that dual analog really came became a problem. Not a problem, but it kind of deterred from the experience. So my next one is Death Jr. So I remember distinctly going into a GameStop one day with one of my buddies, Nick. Um, a lot of times in the summer, we would ride our bikes to GameStop almost every day just to, to play on the, the kiosk that they had there. We played... Um, it was on a PS3 because neither of us had a PS3 at the time. It was like NBA 07 or something like that. Um, there was the way there was this mechanic when you shot the ball that was just really addicting that we loved. Um, you'd like hold the meter down to a certain extent, and then if you like landed in the green, you, you know you made the shot, whatever. What beside the point? So we went into GameStop one day, and you know this is a time where I was really enjoying the PSP, and I came across this game with like this um, not lenticular but like almost holographic looking case or cover, and it was like death jr so it was like you know death is the grim reaper or whatever yeah. so it was essentially his son and it's this little three three-dimensional platformer adventure game where you play as as um you know the grim reaper's son and you just walk around <laughs> hacking and slashing with this like little scythe and man is this game so stinking fun like it's it's so great if you like three 3d platformers you must buy this game like i was talking earlier in the episode about bubsy and skylar and plucks having like funny nods to like pop culture mm-hmm. there's so many of those things in this game like um i can't remember if it's like the beginning of the end of the game but there's a really great nod to the breakfast club 
I won't go into the details because it's been years since I, it's almost been 10 years since I've played this game. Um, it probably actually has. <laughs> um, but, uh, but wow, was this game so good? There's actually a, um, a sequel on the Nintendo Wii that I have my eyes on. Um, I have to get it, but really great little unique cast of characters, very Tim Burton esque. Um, yeah, what's the premise for why you're, uh, I honestly, Death I Junior. honestly can't remember. Yeah, like, I do not recall. You I think don't recall from it has a school. It has, way, a, it has a very with all the other stuff you try to put in your head. Yeah, it has a very much um, Nightmare Before Christmas vibe, if I remember. Like the story, even I felt like there was like, you remember Nightmare Before Christmas? There was that guy that I've never seen that movie. Oh, good grief, Ryan! <laughs> yeah. I, I've also never seen the full Castaway, which is why I bought it. Yeah, I don't. I think I have, but it's been years. Yeah. Um. You're talking for full disclosure. We're talking about Tom Hanks Castaway, not you know for people that aren't sure what we're talking about here. Yeah, we just drop references like people know like our text message conversations. Castaways of like every, most people know Castaway, oh, of course. But um, but yeah, Death Junior. Uh, I think the last time I checked, it's which has been a long time, is relatively inexpensive these days. But the case alone is worth having because it's just it's a really unique, dark, holographic looking case. Great little 3D platformer. Definitely check that out. Um, a lot of fun. Um, I'm gonna do one more because my list is a little bit more extensive than yours. Yeah. Go um, ahead. Kingdom Hearts: Birth by Sleep, of course. Lame. Yeah. A lot of people say that this is really striking to me. It really takes me back when people say that this is their favorite Kingdom Hearts game. Um, I somewhat understand that, but it's I don't know, kind of weird to me that people would say that. People often said too that this should have been just Kingdom Hearts three. I also greatly disagree with that because I don't feel like it was. Birth by Sleep is what the one with Aqua in them. Yeah, so um, it didn't in any way underwhelm. I thought it was a is a very competent Kingdom Hearts game, especially on a portable console. And what's really interesting is that this actually takes place about ten years before the events of Kingdom Hearts One. So if I was gonna, you know, encourage anyone to get into the Kingdom Hearts series, um, I would of course recommend them to get the collections on the PS4 mm-hmm. and actually play Birth by Sleep first, because if you play Aqua's story at the end. I think I talked about this in a previous episode. The way it connects Kingdom Hearts 1 and Birth by Sleep is really pretty special, especially for someone that's been a fan of the series for as long as I have. Um, but it was great. I think it was really interesting how they had three playable characters as Terra, Ventus, and Aqua. They all controlled in their own unique way. Um, you actually play through all of the same worlds, but at different parts in the Disney movie story. So in the Cinderella story, you, um, as Ventus, will play... Um, You'll help the mice essentially construct the dress to prepare Cinderella for the ball. If you play as Aqua, you help get her to the ball, you know. Mm -hmm. And so it's really cool how they kind of like interwove all these different stories and you had to play through each of the characters, you know, stories to kind of see the full story kind of come together. It's probably a dumb question. You've beaten all three characters. I've not. So I've beaten Aqua and Ventus. Okay. I've not beaten Terra's. Because I kind of assumed that you had beaten them all. Yeah. I mean, I beat Ventus on the PSP. And again on PS3, and then I played Aquas on PS4 actually this year. Okay. Um, and I started Terra's, but that was after playing all of Kingdom Hearts 1, all, all of Kingdom of Hearts 2, and then Birth by Sleep with Aqua. So I was a little burnt out with the series, yeah. uh, rightfully so probably. And I, I didn't want to burn myself out before the third installment next year. So, um, But yeah, Birth by Sleep is, is amazing. Um, it, I don't know what else to say. It's, it's a great Kingdom Hearts game. And it's um, if you only have a PSP and not a f- PS4 Definitely play on the PSP, but I'd, I'd recommend you play on the PS4 because it looks better and you have dual analog at that point. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Most definitely. 
Um, my next one is Battlefront 2. Oh, yeah. Um, very, so very we kind of discussed it a little bit earlier, but, I mean, Battlefront 2, the it's the classic one. It's amazing. Yeah. The, I don't know how much I can add because I discussed um, Battlefront 2 in my favorite games of all time. Yeah, I mean, I, but, what, what can you really say about Battlefront that hasn't been said? I mean, if you played it, you understand why it's so well regarded. It, Moss Eisley in my hands at all times. I mean, with the accuracy of shooting guns, you didn't, you kind of had to have two uh, analog sticks. But as far as swinging a lightsaber mm-hmm. and doing force stuff, you really didn't need it. So as far as the main reason you'd be playing Battlefront 2 would be Moss Eisley, and it was really good for that. 100%. And, I, and I'm pretty sure that still had, like, space battles and everything in it. Yeah, I mean, it, it did. Was, to be, like you said, to have that in your hands at all times was really amazing. Um, I mean, it's just like now having Skyrim in your hands you know to play that on the switch portably you know yeah. it's it's again it's so special to us and have that all times portably is, is a really good thing so uh, but yeah like you said it, it's what's interesting now though is you can actually download that on the vita really and i haven't yet but i'm wondering if it allows the dual analog functionality i mean of the vita i don't see why it wouldn't um i've actually never played a vita so i'm gonna take yeah, a look at your pick it up uh, just be careful don't bump your mic there yeah um yeah, so I'll, I'll maybe rattle off in a few more games here while you're messing around with the Vita. Um, that is nice. God of War Chains of Olympus. There were Ghosts of Sparta and Chains of Olympus. I only played um, Chains of Olympus. but yeah, like, I did too. Yeah, but like Kingdom Hearts, I think it's a very great God of War game to have on the go. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't really know what else to say. I mean, it's God of War in your hands, and it was it was great. It looked yeah. graphically. It looked great. Controlled well. Did you play any of the other God of War? Um... Like and one, what's, two, three. Yes. Yeah, so I played one in its entirety. Okay. Didn't play two. Played three on the PS3. I'm actually playing through it again right now on four. Um, and I've got, of course, need to play four. Yeah. God of War four. Um, I never played Ascension. Uh, I think that was very multiplayer driven on the PS3. And uh, I really had no desire to play that. I mean, God of War is, I think, for me, single player. very much a single-player experience. Yeah. I had no desire to play that multiplayer. Kill some gods. Well, it's like Assassin's Creed. Like, I wouldn't want... I mean, I know... I think it was Brotherhood had a multiplayer component to that. Mm-hmm. Um, I never played any. Yeah, I, I had no desire to do that. I was just a very singular-driven experience, so... Mm-hmm. You've got to get an apple and, you know... That, those stories... You want to talk about convoluted stories. Those are wacky. I don't remember any of the stories except there was an apple and it glowed and you could like incinerate. Well, it almost had like a biblical like tie in sort of. Yeah. Because Apple of Eden, right? Yeah. And so I think the, um, I think in, was it Revelations or Revolutions? I think it was Revelations. The ending cinematic was like essentially the end of the world. There were like rocks falling from the skies and earthquakes and everything. It was like Revelation. It was like, what is going on here? Um, That's weird. I mean, when I played revelations i basically was podcasting the whole time listening to podcasts i didn't pay a lick of attention to the story um i'm trying to f- so when that cinematic started playing i'm like what the heck is going on right now? yeah you're like did i start up the wrong game yeah like, yeah i'm trying to think you're essentially just a guy in like a laboratory right and they're trying to probe you for memories it's yeah it's essentially like the matrix but like yeah you have like a lineage of generations of people in your your heritage that you I'm not, dude, I'm not even going to try and s- <laughs> yeah. explain Assassin's Creed. I'm like, Creed. what is going on? Yeah. I'd like to look up a Wikipedia or some kind of YouTube video that says, like, Assassin's Creed in 20 minutes or something and just try and understand. because yeah. I went through the entire God of War on, like, because I didn't play, or, like, yeah, before before I started playing the fourth one, yeah. I went through a recap of all the plots, and it took, like, 20 minutes on a video 
was like, oh, I didn't play one and two. It's cool how we finally got to three. I'll probably which do the I same. Did play. Yeah, yeah, before I play four. Um, good stuff. So I'll mention um, another one here. Final Fantasy VII Crisis Core. Now, I've not played Final Fantasy VII in its entirety, but wow, I I might even argue that I liked this game more than I did Kingdom Hearts Birth by Sleep um, because wow. it was set in the Final Fantasy VII universe. You come across many of the Final Fantasy VII characters. You play as a man named Zack, which I honestly couldn't tell you if Zack was in Final Fantasy VII. I really just don't know. But he plays very similar to a cloud in a three-dimensional way. So this is actually an action-based um, RPG, very much like Kingdom Hearts. And there's like this very weird, almost, um, like, uh, what is that? Uh, when you pull the lever and there's like the three things turning, what is that called? Um, and, and like a slot machine. There's like this slot machine <laughs> me- mechanic. <laughs> I was like, what are you, that could be so many I'm things. I'm thinking of like Vegas. I'm like, what is that? Uh, slot machine. So there's like this slot machine mechanic that um, when you're fighting enemies, it's in the top right corner and this thing starts like essentially turning. And depending on how that outcome, you know, whatever, the, the three little things, however they land, you get, like, different power-ups and stuff like that. That's interesting. Um, and combat. Uh, but, yeah, it, you can grind. You go out. You can either progress, beeline the main story, or in you know, the main hub area, you can go on all kinds of other, like, random side quests to kind of buff up your character and become more powerful, level up, or whatever. Yeah. Um, You fight Sephiroth, which yeah. is super rad. Can um, you beat him? No, oh, yeah, I beat the game. Okay. It's fantastic, and especially to play that and then watch the Advent Children Final Fantasy VII movie, which I don't know if you've seen that. I have. Oh. Rick and Ben forced me to watch it. Or not forced, they had me watch it. Yeah. For and, uh, educational uh, sake. Exactly. Dude, graphically, that is like one of the most impressive CGI things I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, it was great. Um, but yeah, so how if you... How long is that movie? Uh, it's probably like an hour and a half, hour and 15 minutes. It can't be too long. Think of how much it costs to do all that CGI. Oh, Tons. Dollars but, for days. Yeah. No, it was really good. Um, yeah, no, Final Fantasy VII Crisis Core, I think it's, unlike probably most RPGs on the system, is relatively inexpensive. So definitely, um, Meachums, if you're listening, pick that one up. Great game if you like. Uh, I don't know, I, I take you for more of a action-style RPG guy. I could be completely wrong. But in any case, all you fine folks out there, Crisis Core, grab it. Inexpensive, lots of fun. So Awesome. Uh, my next one was Medal of Honor. Oh, yeah, I played that. Yeah. Heroes uh, or something like that? I don't know what the subtitle was. I think it, but, there yeah. were two of them, but yeah, I think I played Heroes. Yeah, it was a lot of fun to be able to have another. I mean, the draw to PSP is for handheld stuff, and then having bigger titles like Medal of Honor or Battlefront, having that in your hand. Yeah. It's kind of the major draw. So being able to go into different battles, or I think World War II, I think is what it was. Yeah, I think it was most in World likely. War II. Yeah. Most of those games are. Um, being able to just have the shotgun and try to kill some guys was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, it was difficult going back. I When I went and tried Battlefront again, I tried this one. Yeah. It was difficult to go back to it, but at the <coughs> time, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, they, uh, you totally remind me. I completely forgot that I played Medal of Honor and actually the handheld Call of Duty PSP game. Mm-hmm. Um, they played very similar, but like you said, it's, it's tough to go back to, but uh, for the time, definitely, they were a lot of fun. Yeah. I remember when I get like a kill streak or I got a kill streak, I was super excited. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah it was good, a lot of fun. Good deal. Yeah. And I feel like all the games that we've mentioned so far, it's, and maybe just maybe taking a step back here, talking about the system. If you're looking to get into collecting and not even so much collecting, but buying great games, because I know 
collecting can be a a tough term to kind of throw out there. You don't want to just throw away money. But if you're looking for a system that has an excellent library of games that, at least for the time being, is very much affordable, the PSP system, like, look no further. You can get a system for probably 100 bucks or less. Um, and I definitely recommend getting a 3000 model. And you can get a nice bundle of probably 10 to 12 games for 80 bucks, mm-hmm. less than that, depending on the library of games that you're getting. So really encourage you guys, you know, the games that we've been talking about so far, pretty much all of them you can get for 10 bucks or less. So uh, really, really uh, would encourage you guys to, you know, look for, for the PSP, great system to collect for. Um, so the next little trilogy of games here that I had was a series that if I wasn't a part of the YouTube gaming community, I've never would have thought of thought twice about picking up these games and that is the ease games it's literally ys ys um so these are terrific uh action rpgs by falcom um and so this i would argue this series of games has some of the greatest music in all of rpgs Mm. um originally i think this game was on the turbo graphics i could be completely wrong look up happy console gamers history on ease and he'll tell you all about it it was him that kind of turned me on to the series back in the day and Ease Oath and Felgana is my favorite. These games are punishingly difficult, but you basically play as this young man in, named Adol. And it's really weird in the sense that you, well, at least in Chron... Okay, so there's three games on the system. There's Ease Oath and Felgana, which is the one I most strongly recommend to you out there. There's Ease 7, which is kind of a three-dimensional game, three-dimensional action RPG um, that was actually made for the PSP specifically. And then there's East Chronicles 1 and 2, which is a remake, a remaster of the, the original Turbo Graphics games. Again, don't quote me on that. I, I think I'm speaking correctly on that. Um, made for the PSP. It was kind of like a package deal. Mm-hmm. And so originally these games were very unique in the sense that instead of using a sword to, to fight your enemies, you literally walked into them head on. And based on how powerful you were, they just they died. Like, Wait, what? You had to walk into but, them head on if you if that you walk so into like you're headbutting them to death essentially with your power. But you, you like you're essentially uh, have equipped a sword. Okay, you have a sword, but you're not slashing it. You're walking directly into these enemies. So it's like more or less war, the card game where you put down a card, they put down a card. Sort and of. If you're stronger, you win. If they are stronger, you die. Essentially, yeah. And, uh, but if they're coming, hitting you from behind or from the side, you're, you're going to lose health, okay? Okay. Um, but then in Ease, Oath, and Felgana, you actually do have a sword, I believe, where you're actually swiping. So Ease, Oath, and Felgana and Ease Chronicles, those games are kind of bird's eye view looking, mm-hmm. um, where, again, Ease 7 is more open world, three-dimensional um, action RPG. But great games, punishingly difficult. I very much encourage you guys, if you do pick up these games, to play them on a lighter difficulty setting just to be able to enjoy the game for what it is ridiculous crazy boss battles with some of the most ridiculous but catchy music i've ever heard in video games just you'll get like these almost like thrash metal electric guitar stuff going on like joe satriani type stuff that's just really wild and it almost seems unfitting for a game like this but then once you're playing it you're like this is absolutely fitting um they look pretty cool yeah so ease i i would never pick up a game that starts like just having not um yeah, I mean, you heard about it through YouTube, but like picking up a game that starts YS as the title. Oh yeah, yeah. There's no way I would have picked up. That no game. way. Yeah, I would have, and that's why I'm so thankful to be a part of, or had to have been a part, I should say, past tense, the YouTube gaming community when it was alive and thriving. Because Happy Console Gamer talked about these games, and I think the great majority of the community at the time, unless you were people like Splatter Trigger or whoever, would have never thought twice about picking these games up. But 
so glad I have, and I would really encourage you guys out there to pick up pick up E's Oath and Felgana, and if you enjoy it, maybe drift into the E7, E's Chronicles 1 and 2 games as well. So, yeah, go ahead, and what's your next game? I'm trying to look through my spreadsheet on that RPG that we were talking about where I actually picked it up uh, from Brotherhood, something about Legends of the brotherhood code or i don't know what the heck it was yeah you know what i'm talking it was like about. a dungeon crawler thing yeah it was a dungeon crawler until there, legends brotherhood of the blade yes wow yep it came to me like just yeah so that one bam. was a lot of fun you could play as like four different classes you have the knight you have like a rogue guy um probably a mage i don't know it's been so long but i did pick this up again um when rusty turned me on to a shop near us mm-hmm. um that sold a lot of like retro games that GameStop is too cool to sell. Yeah, they have too much stu- like merchandise in there now. It's just all a bunch of like yeah, what are the keychains and crap figures and all that garbage. Which I think you know it's it's <laughs> it's what I guess our current generation of people are flocking towards. That it's very yeah. much collecting all these materialistic you know items. I just I need to consume all this stuff. And, and granted, I have pop figures myself. Yeah, I was gonna say, but at the same time, it, it gets to a point where it's like. When 60% of your store is memorabilia and 40% of your stuff is games and your your store is literally called GameStop, I feel like that's a problem. I mean, maybe the games are stopping to show up. All right, what's your next game? <laughs> no, I mean, so the Brotherhood game, It's it was a lot of fun. It was one of my earlier um, introductions to RPGs and looters and like the more Diablo kind of ripoff style games. Mm-hmm. And I still enjoy those type uh, today. So, yeah. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a fun game. I enjoyed it uh, myself. I think there was a second one, too. Um, Untold Legends Warrior Code, if I remember correctly. I could be completely pulling that out of my butt, but I, I'm pretty sure that's correct. Um, but, yeah, they're fun games. Again, very much inex- very inexpensive if you like your, your top-down Diablo clones. It's very hack and slashy. I When I put it back in... When I got it, um, it's very click and just swing, and the animations, you're kind of stuck in those. Mm-hmm. It's less strategic than most games. Yeah, but I think, like, you know... That's the fun part of it. Exactly. Put on a movie after, at the end of the day, you know, play some Untold Legends. It's, it's a good time. Mm-hmm. Super expensive. So um, my next couple here, I won't talk long about this one because I really only put in, like, 20 to 25 hours, and it sounds like a lot. <laughs> that does sound like a lot. But this game is, like, stupidly long, and it's Legend of Heroes Trails in the Sky. So this is also kind of in the ease realm. I think this was also developed by Falcom. I could be completely wrong, but it's also like just a grand JRPG adventure. It's, um, again, beautiful orchestral soundtrack. You kind of play as this boy and girl. You recruit other party members throughout the game. You're exploring this town. You're on this epic adventure. You, you have like a, essentially a quest board where you can go on all kinds of random side quests to kind of like level up your character, um, get new armor at recent shops and, st- or, you know, nearby shops and stuff. Um, but the combat itself is very much grid based. So it's, you know, think your, your fire emblems, think your, your advance wars. Um, once you run into an enemy, kind of you shift into this, you know, different perspective where it is very much grid based combat. Um, and I think that gameplay loop can be very addicting, but again, for me personally, that I'd much rather play like an action style combat or a game like Final Fantasy 13, where the paradigm shift can be kind of unique as opposed to like this grid based playing that for 60 plus hours for me at least can get pretty tiresome. Um, so I wouldn't recommend this to everyone. I think this is very much your hardcore art JRPG fans. Um, but for the music, the story, the characters, 
it is a very well put together game. It just was a little bit too much for me as yeah. far as the length. Looking at these more like retro-looking RPGs, I'm trying to find a good one for the Switch that has like a retro style, but it's still like an RPG. Octopath Traveler. Octopath Traveler. Yeah, that's going to be where you want to start. So I'll keep kind of going down the list while you're looking at that. So Dissidia Final Fantasy, there were two of these. I think this is one of the most Ooh. genius premises, the like premise of, you know, um, of games you could create. Essentially throwing all kinds of Final Fantasy characters into this universe and essentially almost a giant three-dimensional arena where you just battle it out. Oh, I saw this on one of the uh, top Yeah, it's really pretty cool to be able to play as, you know, Zidane or Tifa or Titus or Lightning and fight Cloud or whoever, you know, in this giant (laughs) three-dimensional arena. And there was actually a story, there was a hub world where you kind of like actually navigated through this like corridor like path to get to your next mission or whatever. Really pretty amazing for the PSP. I think they actually ported it to the PS4 recently. Um, They weren't great by any stretch and they were also a little bit too long for my liking. But I think for the, you know, the nostalgia alone to be able to play as all these different characters was was more than enough to to kind of hop on board and play for a few hours. Yeah, the combat looked pretty intense from what I was seeing. Yeah, it really was. Um... I think we can kind of co-op this next one, Loco Roco. I never played it. Um, I had like a demo of it. Oh, really? Yeah. Because when I think when I got it, there was just like a shorter, like, hey, try this kind of disc. Okay. Not the full thing. Interesting. That's why I've always been excited to that it was on the PS4. Yeah. Excuse me. Okay, well, one, your assignment for this week is to download that on the PS4. Come <laughs> back and report your progress next week on games My we've been playing homework. recently. Um, Loco Roco is one of the most unique games I've even played to this day. So basically the premise surrounding it, you know, I think we've talked about it in an earlier episode. I won't go on and on, but you ha- you're like this, essentially this little blob and there's this ridiculously catchy, um, kind of like African type vibe, like tribal vibe to like the, the way the music's kind of presented. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of little kids just shouting like random gibberish. And yeah, I was always confused by that. You're in this like super colorful, beautiful little world and you basically control the game by using the right and left trigger buttons to kind of tilt the world different directions to kind of make this little glob of whatever navigate to the end result, this end level. And as you're going, you eat little fruits. And as you eat fruits, naturally your character gets bigger and bigger. And there's certain puzzle, like minor puzzle solving navigational areas where you kind of have to split yourself off into like 20 to 25 different little local rokos to kind of navigate, hop across through these like little tiny you know, holes or whatever it might be. And uh, that's really the basic premise. It's just you're (laughs) navigating from beginning to end, eating fruit, but the music just makes the game so charming and just so weird. It's just such a bizarre game. Very, very well worth it. There was a second game too. I haven't played it, but uh, the first one, I mean, inexpensive. There's no way that you can play those games and like be angry. No. I mean, it's like the happiest, most colorful games. It it really is. Um, So yeah, if you're having a bad day, pop in Loco Roco and just even the name Loco Roco yeah, it's is just, just fun to say. Yeah, so uh, Loco Roco is really good fun. Um, I have a, a, a lot more here, so I'll, okay. I'll maybe rattle off a couple more. Daxter, um, of course, you recognize the name from Jack and Daxter. He had his own solo 3D platformer game that was really, really fun. Had no business being as good as it was. Really enjoyed this game. Again, a little bit brought down by not having a dual analog sl- stick. Um, and a 3D platformer, I think, with the camera just makes sense to have that yeah. other, you know, be able to move around more easily. But I think for, for what it is, 
it's still a very competent 3D platformer with one of the most animated, hilarious characters in the PS2 era, Daxter. He's just this fun little weasel um, that just has a lot of personality. So definitely check that one out if you like 3D platformers and, and you're a fan of Naughty Dog and the Jack and Daxter series of games. There was actually one when I was going through these like top 100 PSP games that yeah. caught my eye. That and Loco Roco to actually play. Yeah, no, well worth it for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, Pursuit Force, did you ever play this? Pursuit Force, no. This would be a game I think you'd like. So basically, super fast-paced. Um, I'd liken it to basically um, kind of the burnout games, but essentially you're this like this, this cop and you're hopping from one vehicle to the next trying to get to these bad guys and essentially destroy their cars. It's very ridiculous and chaotic. Um, again, mm. super fast-paced because these cars are going 60, 80 miles an hour, and you're literally jumping off the roof of one to the so next. It's like a frogger almost, except you're on cars instead of avoiding them? Yeah, I think that's actually probably a really great way of putting it. It's it's like frogger, but you're trying to destroy each of the platforms that you're getting on. Um, it's kind of like Frogger, but not like Frogger at all. Yeah, so that's Grand Theft Auto Chinatown Wars. I'll skip that. I already talked about it. Really interesting bird's eye view Grand Theft Auto that you should definitely check out, but get the DS version if you have a DS. Mm-hmm. So what's your next one? Um, Ace Combat X. Okay. Did you ever play that? No, I've never been a fan of like the, the flight navigation simulator type stuff. Yeah, I never was either until I got this game. It was a lot of fun. There was a very futuristic um weapon at or i guess plane at the very end Mm -hmm. that going back through other levels playing as it you could basically just light a nuke like this one had the nuke capability and you could just destroy everyone in the entire sky um i mean you get little nauseous flying around and doing barrels and all that kind of jazz but the dog fights were a lot of fun that's cool i love yeah, it's funny because I love like dog fighting. Like I love not not not. Really. <laughs> okay, Michael Vick. I do not. I'm not encourage that type of behavior. That's not Ugh. okay. Okay, I love I love dogs. But like yeah, dog fighting in in the sense that you know you have planes acrobat like fighting in the air, whatever. Yeah, Star Fox type stuff. Um, there's like, actually a game on the Vita and I think PS4 called like Luff Trousers or whatever. Has this very sepia, sepia tone like graphical style to it and. It's it gets it's difficult to control when you first play it, but once you get the hang of it, it's really interesting. You're on like this little two D plane, and there's like all kinds of ships and other you know planes flying around, and you control this like the little plane going up and down, and you're just shooting and it's, it's kind of like asteroids, okay, like on the Atari, mm-hmm. um, but you're a plane and it's like really cool sepia tone graphic style. So yeah, check check out Luff Trousers on the PS4 um, Vita if you if you can. Um, but Ace Combat, interesting choice. Yeah. I like it. Um, Midnight Club 3 Dub Edition and Burnout Legends. I'm going to kind of tie these two together because I'm not the biggest racing fan, but in the PS2 era, there were a lot of games that were very arcadey and I like that style. So Rockstar had a series of games back in the day called Midnight Club and 3 Dub Edition was phenomenal. It was very much kind of competed with Need for Speed Underground 2 at the time where you can kind of really soup up your cars with all these kind of crazy nitrous oxide type stuff, really cool aesthetically, making your car look awesome. Um, just controlled very well, lots of shortcuts. You're racing, like, as the name would imply, kind of late at night on the streets of L.A. or wherever. Um, and then Burnout Legends was essentially Burnout 3 Takedown on the PSP. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, good fun, really fun racing games. Yeah, I don't know what system I had a Burnout game, but they're really fun. Oh, yeah crashing yeah. and then 
Did it have the blow-up mode where you could just crash and get money? I can't remember if Burnout Burnout Legends had that on the uh, the, the PSP. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if it did, though. Yeah. So, do you have any other, more, any other games? I have one more. All right, um, go for it. Prince of Persia, Rival Swords. Nice. I never yeah. played it, but... I was thinking it was the Sans one, but apparently he can stop time or slow down time for all of his games. Yeah, I'm right? pretty sure he can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't remember any of the plot or... I just remember it was a lot of fun to play with those like little chainy blades he has and yeah. then the daggers, like the sneak attacks. It was kind of almost like an Assassin's Creed style. Well, it was kind of the predecessor because it was made by Ubisoft. Oh, really? Yeah, so Prince of Persia was kind of like the natural progression to Assassin's Creed, what it is today. Oh, wow. Yeah. Hmm. So it kind of only made sense. I mean, it... it that they do assassination games. Yeah. Or... I mean, it, it kind of sucks because I did love the, the, the Prince of Persia games. Did they completely get rid of those after Assassin's Creed took off? Yeah, so I think Assassin's Creed, the first one, was came out in like 2006, 2007, whatever. And the last Prince of Persia game, correct me if I'm wrong, was 2008. It was like the very, um, what do they call that graphical style? Um, uh, what am I? Uh, cell-shaded. It had like a very much cell-shaded look to it. It came out in 2008 on like the 360, PS3. Mm-hmm. I think that was the last Prince of Persia game after that. They just went all in on Assassin's Creed. So. I mean, rightfully so. Yeah. For the 20 copies <laughs> or 20 different games that they have. Yeah, it's ridiculous. I just remember how crazy Assassin's Creed was when the first one came out. Dude. It was like an blown. epidemic. Yeah. Well, because I remember playing Assassin's Creed 1, and it was very much like Grand Theft Auto 3 when I first had it, where my buddies and I would just like essentially just go on a rampage and see how long we could last and then trade the controller yeah so it's very much the same with assassin's creed we would just get a bunch of guards you know on our tails and just see how long we could last in the middle of the city just fending off these all these guards with swords and stuff that's cool um have you done that in skyrim yet i haven't i need to yeah i need to just go into a town and make a save file yeah obviously and then just go and kill a town yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah Can you imagine uh, if, like, someone's, like, talking to their wife or something, and then, like, they come back in, and they just go in and kill a town? So yeah. Just, like, yeah. <laughs> they hear, so, hear, hear that out of context. Yeah. It would be really bad. I'll snap his neck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, bolt. Yeah, good movie. Yeah, um, so that's my last one that I could actually think of. Okay, so I have uh, two more um, that I love, and then three that I kind of, like, want to play. Okay. So Rock Band Unplugged. This is a game that you think Rock Band on a handheld, how would that work? It actually worked very very well on the PSP you essentially use all of the face buttons and use the trigger buttons to switch from one instrument to the next and it's not as chaotic as you would think I mean certainly sounds very chaotic well if you're playing on expert yeah it's going to get a little crazy um but I think as you kind of progress from easy to medium and hard it, it can be very very addicting and actually very fun because the set list is great and to be able to kind of play this game without handing holding these like clunky plastic instruments um and still having a, a really great experience was was something that was really special back in the day. Almost sounds like Bop It. Yeah, you, I guess Having you could say that. Having to switch around. And, yeah. yeah. So yeah, check out Rock Band Unplugged. Unplugged. It's pretty inexpensive and just a great music rhythm game for the PSP. Not, I mean, I don't really think there's many out there. Um, mm. yeah, there probably are, but whatever. Rock Band Unplugged, get, grab that. It's, it's really, really fun and really had no business being as good as it was. This next one, I was kind of obsessed. I remember specifically sixth grade going with my buddy Nick and his dad to see 300 yes. and just being mesmerized by this, again, very weird graphical style, slow motion combat, these moving just, in and out. Yeah. Jacked up guys, you know, yeah. what was it? Um, Gerard Butler. Butler. Yeah. Just man, just all jacked up and really ridiculous music, super over the top bro movie. 
And I so badly wanted a console-style game in the vein of, like, a Roman, Spartan-type thing, and there really mm-hmm. wasn't. Um, there's some. I think there's, like, Spartan, Total Warrior, and a couple others. But um, 300 Rise to Glory on the PSP. I think I actually had this one. This was such a fun game. Um, pretty challenging in some parts. And uh, graphically today, it looks, like, pretty pretty garbage. It, it does not look very great. But for the time, with the hype surrounding the film and being so in love with with what they were able to pull off with that movie, with how artsy-fartsy it was, but still so over-the-top crazy, um, and kind of capture that in a video game, it was a good time. It was really good oh, fun. Oh, I totally had this game. Yeah. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I actually, the first time I saw 300 was in Texas. Okay. Um, I went to visit my friend who had just moved down there. Okay. And we weren't allowed to see 300 for many reasons. Obvious reasons. I mean, Nudity, just violence, and all that. Um, so I don't really blame them, but I went into a Walmart and at this time it was like he moved eighth grade going into high school or ninth grade. Okay. So I don't know what age I was, but I was probably like 15. Mm-hmm. I went into a Walmart and this is a rated R movie and I bought a rated R movie they didn't in your idea Texas or Walmart and we watched it in the back of um, like they had a movie player okay. in the back of his car, so we had headphones in. Nice. And, like, his mom was in the driver's seat, and we're just headphones in, just watching this obscene violence just and gore. Completely mesmerized. Like, oh, what are you guys watching? Oh, you know, Disney, <laughs> Mulan. <Yeah. laughs> um, that's funny. Yeah. Uh, so, okay, I actually have a funny, similar story to that. So, for whatever reason, my mom never wanted me to watch Small Soldiers back in the day. Oh. Yeah, I love that movie. So good. Great. Kirsten Dunst, really early film for her, whatever. So give me, tell me what you want, what you, yeah. Um, and so psychological warfare. Yeah. And so my mom didn't want me to watch that, but my godmother was walking through target at the time with my sister and I, and, um, I saw it and she knew that I wanted it and she grabbed it and put it in our cart. And I'm like, no, Mary, my, I, my, my mom doesn't want me to watch that. And she's like, too bad. And I was just like, yes. <laughs> so I got the VH copy of small soldiers and I watched it when I went home. My mom was not happy, but you know what? Mom, you made me watch Pet Cemetery at six, Mom, and you wouldn't want me to watch Small, Small Soldiers. Soldiers was not... I guess it's a less happy Toy Story. Yeah, exactly. Get it together, Mom. Which is, um, I'm what did they kidding, put, whatever. like, nuclear or, like, missile chips and toys or something? <laughs> yeah, I mean, the premise is so ridiculous. I actually got that on the PS1 recently. Um, I haven't played it yet, but that'd be really fun. Uh, it's a game? It's a game on the PS1. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, just a funny little story. So I, I went wanna... back and watched that, and it still holds up. Yeah. I mean... Th- the toy, the, I don't know even how they did it because they look like actual toys. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. So, um, so I'm gonna quickly go through this these last three games that I want to play. Half Minute Hero just looks like a, as the name would imply, like each of the, the battles. I think you have to beat each of the enemies or bosses in 30 seconds. Oh, um, and I that's think it's stressful. it's just super quick, fast paced RPG. It looks fun. Kills on Liberation, um, just looks like a very fun kind of tactical top little down. yeah top down shooter type game I want to play, and then. How do you even pronounce this? Gurumin, a monstrous adventure. Graphically, it looked very similar to the um, Ape Escape games. Okay. But I think it's like an action or JRPG type game that just looked really interesting to me. So I might want to play it at some point. Um, but yeah, I think that's a pretty comprehensive look at the the PSP and yeah. why we love the system as much as we do. Uh, I, I'd really encourage all of you, like I said earlier, if it, you're looking for a system to affordably collect for look no further than the psp great library of games all genres well represented so uh if you have any other questions about the system or recommendations for ryan and i as far as games go please write into the show 
or questions for the next episode, otakubrotherspodcast at gmail.com. We'd much appreciate the feedback or uh, questions that make the show better. Thank you so much for listening to this yeah, episode. Uh, we had a good time, this one. It's, mm-hmm. Episodes are getting pretty long. How long is this one? Two and a half hours. Really? So definitely let us know. I, I'd really be uh, interested. I love listening to long podcasts because I can kind of spread it out over a few days, either at work or if I'm up late playing video games um, or commutes to work, whatever it might be. Let us know if you kind of prefer the hour and a half episode or more the two and a half to three hour episode. Uh, we can kind of tailor our topics or discussions and whatever whatever way you guys like. Or break so. it up like the 90s going into three different things yeah. instead of doing one giant like eight hours of us talking yeah rambling on. rambling on so let us know what you would you guys would prefer uh you can find me on twitter at re lewis 2011 and uh, i release you know things about the show topics question alerts whatever so thank you so much for listening and uh we will see you all in the next episode see ya bye